Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Third Impact Anime. I am your amazing host, Bill. Welcome to our conversation about Animazement 2023. And with me are some other amazing hosts. First we have Austin. Hello, I'm Austin. I'm your resident Jimmy John's screecher. Uh, discovering I'm aging rapidly, I am Sully. I am 10 anime Tobiases you must see before you die. <laughs> Glad to have you three on the pod. Happy to be here, and thank you for thank you for hosting, Bill. Oh, you know me. I'm, I'm a frequent host, so I just, I love to do it. First, I think, uh, let's get into our main topic, which is Animazement 2023. This is, uh... That's the first time we've talked about Animazement. I think we've done prior episodes about our con that we go to a lot, Animazement. So before we kind of get into this year's incarnation, why don't we each kind of give a brief uh, history or kind of our experiences with Animazement? I mean, yeah, Bill, you, you kind of said it. I mean, even on this podcast, uh, if, if you're a new listener, uh, we try and go to Animazement just about every year. We've been going for a really long time. And if you're an old listener, if you've been here for a while, you probably knew that already because we've done conversations probably about Animazement more than any other convention because it is sort of the big one in our area. We try and hit it up every year. You know, regardless of whether or not they decide to bring us out as featured panelists, uh, we, we, we just really like it there. It's a, it's a cool con. It's our, it's our local big boy. It's not too far for any of us really to drive there and uh it's just a really good time i love az i've been going since i was in high school oh man which is so long ago it's like over 10 years ago woof but uh yeah <laughs> love az it's a cool con and it was cool this year too yeah i uh also have been going to az since i was in high school which is uh yeah about i actually went to my freshman year of college 10 years ago so i am horrified again that's why i said i'm, I'm rapidly aging but yeah I, I guess i could consider az my home convention it was my first anything con it was my first anime con it was my first convention period um i haven't been every single year since 2010 but i've i've gone to a lot of them and uh i even if uh, I've done a lot of the same things at AZ, it always kind of has like a homecoming feel to it. Although uh, this year it felt different. Like this year, I think is the first year like I I, I recognize people I knew, but I also kind of recognize like oh this there's entirely like an, a new generation here. I I feel very out of sorts. Yeah, that's kind of how I've been feeling at the more recent uh, anime weekend in Lattes for sure. So now now all of you get to see what it's like from the other side. <laughs> from your 30s yeah it's you know it's 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 just that circle of life i mean one, once upon a time people looked down upon us as exactly that so uh, i'm just glad conventions are, continue to thrive and survive especially conventions who whose mission statement i really agree with and if the kids don't turn out you know you you can't you can't live out you, you can't do a whole convention just catering to the to the old folks or even the medium old folks like we are i guess well i guess maybe we're ancient compared to anime fans but who's counting except sully <laughs> well it's funny hearing you guys uh, have your first convention first animazement experiences in 2010 because that was my first year as well off a hey. very different perspective i don't um, think i knew that hey. that's crazy it, it was 
2009-2010. I can't remember exactly. I'd have to go back mm-hmm. through the archives, <laughs> go back through the annals of history and uh, and see. But uh, no, like uh, a friend of mine, actually the uh, the friend who eventually would get me up to North Carolina, uh, she had just moved up uh, to Asheville a year prior. She kind of had made friends, but not a whole lot of anime friends. So she was able to convince myself and I think my girlfriend at the time to make the drive up from Birmingham to Raleigh, like an eight hour, 10 hour drive, uh, just to go to a random con uh, as far as you know, we considered a random con. Uh, it was Cosmo in the background. I'm not happy talking hey, Cosmo. about leaving again. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just, we'd come to this convention that was in North Carolina. didn't know anything about it and had a blast. I think that was, they were in the RCC I think that was one of the early years of the RCC. Yeah. Which I, I didn't know, learn until much later, of course. But no, it's a, this huge convention hall that I've always sort of looked forward to seeing every year. And, you know, initially just kind of going, uh, Anime Weekend Atlanta was my, my home con for a long time. So going to a whole different experiences, um, a different culture, you know, uh, all, all throughout. But I, really? as time has gone That's... on and I've, oh yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it, it seems a little less so the past few AWAs, but very, very different at the time. Hmm. And I that's think interesting. As, as, yeah. And as time has gone on, I feel like that sort of has flattened for hmm. myself, having lived first in Asheville, now in Greensboro, and having that be the local event. I certainly feel a little bit different about it than I did, what, tw- uh, 13 years ago? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You mentioned it was early when they started going to the RCC. I, if I recall correctly, it was either 2009 or 2010 was the first year they were mm-hmm. at the Raleigh Convention Center. Yeah, I've seen photos from uh, back at the, the previous location. It was a Sheraton. And, man, it looks like uh, <laughs> the, 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 the lighting in that center leaves, seems to have left a lot to be desired. It kind of reminds me of, like, you know how the lighting in, at Ichiban Con was always, like, super dim and everything? Yeah. It looks like the Sheraton mm. was just kind of that, but more more dim. And very yellow. A very what? Yellow? Yeah, like, it had, like, I feel like from the photos I've seen of the Sheraton days, and also, like, Ichiban Con and the light, like, hotels always have that, that weird, like, soft yellow yeah. lighting to oh, it yeah. that always gives, yeah. like, a weird gold cast onto photos. Oh sure, I mean at AZ you don't really have that problem because of the so there's like so much natural lighting, right? Because of those gigantic windows. RCC windows. windows. Yeah, exactly the, the big windows. Yeah. And like even in the dealers hall, it's not like it's like fluorescence or something. Right, right. <laughs> well, what about yourself, Bill? Well, what's your experience with AZ? So I think my first experience with AZ is twenty thirteen. And I guess it's just mm-hmm. interesting for me is for a long time. Happy 10 years, Bill. Well, <laughs> just time keeps on moving. So I'm so I'm just going to enjoy it while I got it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, it's it's fun for me because it, at first I was just kind of a young convention goer going, oh, what's this? What are all these people in these costumes? That's really cool. And now I've done a couple of panels there and I present to the people in the costumes. So it's kind of an evolution of how things go. Like there's always certain traditions with AZ that are things that I have to see 
every year, like, I have to go to Jimmy John's at least once because that's like a routine. I got to see where the the annoying protesters are because they're there every year on the clock. And uh, I just have to uh, just go to the dealer's room and see what the vendors are selling in their wares. So I guess I, would... I, guess I should probably ex- I guess I should probably explain my uh, podcast intro namesake since you also mentioned Jimmy John's. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were <laughs> we were <laughs> For those uh, of you not aware jimmy john's is a sandwich chain <laughs> <laughs> uh and sandwiches typically consist of meat and uh other things in between vegetables? two slices of bread anyway vegetables possibly <laughs> Not- yeah notably not sand <laughs> no witch is involved either uh well sometimes occasionally but any, anyway uh so we were uh so the the convention center across the street from the con center is one of the connecting con hotels and uh well actually both of the connecting con hotels are, are across the street but behind that is like a uh a like a little area where there are some restaurants including one that is of course the jimmied john and uh while we were uh, eating our euros back there from a really tasty uh, kebab place that I think is just called Shish Kebab. Uh, a tour group of uh, local Raleigh uh, elementary school kids walks by, and I don't know where they're going. Clearly, they're not going to the convention, so they need a refund. And uh, one child just viciously shouts, Jimmy Chance! And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a funny joke for the weekend. I laughed a lot and continue to laugh, but that is the end of my story. Sorry, Bill. Continue. No, it's okay. I was trying to withhold laughter. <laughs> just thinking of the kid. <laughs> just like, why, why is he randomly about a sandwich vendor that just was out of the blue? <laughs> just the veracity okay, of I, I mean, I just, I just wish I could get excited for stuff like Jimmy Jones again, man. You remember, you remember being that young and being absolutely like, boss of all excited that you're about to eat a sandwich I, I, was more, I was more excited for the mcdonald's happy meal than a sandwich place <laughs> it's true so, exactly jimmy don't so, give no toys that's that's really no, sad i'm i'm not going to get my inspector gadget <laughs> my to- tie-in toy to the movie oh man from jimmy from jimmy john and then you could we build just... the whole inspector gadget man i'd completely forgotten about that that's crazy i had his hat yeah just dated dated both of you guys right here on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome audience Uh, but before we get into the a tangent town about inspector gadget toys (laughs) why don't we talk about um some of the panels that we had presented at animazement so yeah, so uh, like 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 we said, we we kind of come out in an official capacity, more or less. They have us out, and in exchange for, uh, you know, having us out, they we have to provide our services, which is talking a lot about Japanese cartoons in front of crowds of hundreds, and that's what we did. So, mm-hmm. right off the bat, nine thirty a.m. Friday morning, right when the Oof. convention doors open. Bill and I rushed to our first panel, which was 2022 Anime Interview. And uh, now, this I would title say that, is uh, mm-hmm. this title is really confusing. So, what exactly are you talking about in this panel? So, we're gonna take all of the, we're gonna just review the year in this case, 2022, 
and all of the anime works, the movies, TV series, OVAs, etc. And just kind of you know, compress that down into the 45 minutes to an hour that we have to present. Talk about some of the, the stuff that we really liked, the quote unquote um, important works, things we think you should pay attention to, and just give a brief overview of the year as a whole. So we picked a number of titles that we really liked, that we watched. Um, if you guys, listeners out there, have listened to our, we did we did two or three season reviews this year, didn't we, Bill? Yeah, we we did the fall 2022 season, I think, and then the and then probably a spring one. Spring, I did, right? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I know we did fall and spring. Right. I don't think we did one for every season this year because it's, it's a lot. But I know we did at least two. So yeah, if you you're kind of curious about what we talked about, you can either check those out to see more of our thoughts, or rather hear more of our thoughts. But I think we've also got a post going up this week as well with all of our show notes, our panel notes on the website, if you want a full breakdown of what we talked about. Yeah, as of us recording it, uh, I'm about, you know, I'm, I'm making progress on that document. It should be available on our website soon after this episode publishes, so be, be on the lookout for that. It's just going to be called Panel Notes and Amazement 2023 over on thirdimpactanime.com. Exactly. Yeah, we kind of, really nothing we talked about would be any great surprise to people that have followed us uh, on those earlier episodes or on our Discord where we talk a lot about those anime as we watch them. So you should go do those things if you want to hear what we talk about this year as well. Uh, the only thing I'll say also about that is that I was really shocked at the, the turnout. I don't think we, we filled the room huge... to the brim. But no, I, yeah, we had a huge was... turnout for like a morning yeah. panel which I was exactly. shocked to, to see. But people were really into the seasonal stuff. And I will also note, my favorite thing in all your panels, Tobias, is your, is your disclaimer of, if we, <laughs> if we don't mention a show or a movie that you think is important, then I highly suggest that you submit your own panel to <laughs> Animazement. It's very easy, and they are very helpful. You should go do that, which I think true. Every, yeah. everyone that has an issue with uh, panel content at conventions, you should try and do it because that's what made me start the panel <laughs> is I, I there were some things that I wanted to see and I said I should stop complaining and go do it. And I guess another reason we do that or I do that is to head off those, you know, well, actually it's off at the pass. Uh, a lot of people think that because you didn't talk about something that you forgot about it or you didn't know about it. Well, that's not the case. The fact is we have, like I said, 45 minutes to an hour to talk about everything in a year. And there was what? I think the statistic was 200, over 200 works. Yeah, we couldn't talk about 200 works in, a, in an hour. So we had to we had to distill it down. Uh, of course, we know about the other shows, but for whatever reason, we chose not to talk about them. Yeah, uh, so that was pretty much our 2022 anime interview. Uh, I'll also, also say for that panel, I'm glad with my traveling plans that I decided to do. And Tobias, you're very gracious. <laughs> and I hanged out with Tobias for a couple of days and read all of his manga, or most of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we came came down to the uh, came down to Raleigh and had a good old time. So appreciate that, Tobias. And it was a it was a good panel and just really again a really good turnout and sort of yeah. this this panel sort of started us collaboratively or collectively 
doing a whole weekend's worth of uh, spreading the gospel of Inuo. And I think it worked. <laughs> That's true. We mentioned it about three or four times over the weekend. Also, yeah, and I know the, uh, uh, a good friend of mine who's in our Discord, uh, he was there uh, throughout the weekend and watched it after we got back, or we all got back from the convention and said he really, really, really liked that movie. Also, the prophetizing of discotheque media <laughs> and going down to the dealer's room <laughs> and buying oh, yeah. ins- insert title from discotheque. But we'll get into that. Oh, that's going to come later. up in a panel shortly because i feel like we did that a ton in the anime anniversaries panel yeah oh you mentioned Eno once again if you guys want to hear us talk more about Eno, we have an episode on that you should go what? back to the archives and listen to it was a really good discussion with uh i think three of us here and also tori yeah yeah great movie great movie wait sully were, were you on that sully or, or have you seen Eno yet uh, I actually have not seen Inuo, but it's, oh, it's also on my list now. It seems uh, very uh, Sully poor, as you guys say. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I think absolutely. I think that would fit in your purview for sure. Oh, you would love and, it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to to watch it. I'll I'll get into it more once we probably get to like the the uh, anime versaries or like a general con thing. But this uh, this particular animation has actually inspired me and I've actually made good on my word to watch a whole lot of stuff since I've gotten home. So uh, Inuo is definitely on the list. You bought that there Spy Family to read? (laughs) Well, I I didn't buy that at Animazement. I actually, uh, there's a comic book shop that uh, some friends of ours work at uh, like in like 15 minutes of walking distance from my new apartment and I literally like oh, nice. after an amazement just like walked on over and bought the first two volumes of Spy Family so I, I continued buying things after an amazement <laughs> Austin, you did Yo. your Spider-Man panel, which I did. was a big hit. Yeah, like an hour after this one, was it? We went directly after, right? I would no. It was. It was like. I think it was right after um, because I don't I don't think I made it to the 2022 panel or was I there I think maybe we were there for a little bit you shut up you shut up late you shut up yeah we were we were late because we went to go get some brekkie uh, because which is very important it's it's very important Mm -hmm. to eat before your panel starts so that you're not uh, rumbly uh, (laughs) while you're trying to present about cool things and uh, thankfully I wasn't um wasn't hungry during the Spider-Man in Japan panel, which is m- one of my most recent debut panels that I started doing last year. Debuted it at Queen City last year, and it's just... It's basically me talking about all of the different uh, Japanese or Japanese sort of adjacent interpretations of Spider-Man across the decades. You know, of course, I talk a ton about the uh, 70s tokusatsu show, and that's like the bulk of the panel, but I also talk about, you know, characters like Penny Parker, who are, you know, Japanese spider people and other um, sort of Spider-Man manga projects. I talk about the 
Ryochi Ikegami drawn Spider-Man comic from the 70s that actually predates the Toku show. But it, it's just a really great time. It, it seems to always get a good turnout. I feel like this, my turnout for this one maybe wasn't quite so high as it was last year, but that's okay. It is a, it's like a pretty much a verbatim repeat of the one that I did last year. I haven't really been able to add too much material because not a whole lot of stuff has come out. There's There's been a few Spider-Man manga that have like released since I did the panel last year. But they, but I kind of talked about them and sort of their pre-release status last year. So there wasn't a whole lot that I changed, but I did move some things around. But I really love doing that panel because I'm a huge Spidey fan. And uh, people just go crazy over, you know, watching all of the awesome clips from the Toku show and, you know, getting to reintroduce that to people that have never heard of it or never seen it uh, and how uh, fun and entertaining and goofy it is always brings a smile to my face so I love doing that panel I will probably continue to do that panel until I run it into the ground and I'm happy with that surprisingly there's enough content to fill an hour I would not have expected that before I went to your panel yeah I mean there's there's enough to make it I mean certainly there are some things that I sort of maybe spend more time on than really I need to but I think I found a way to make most of it interesting like the Ikegami yeah. manga like I've read the whole thing and it's like it's like okay like it's not really that good but I think it's a good springboard to sort of talk about um, you know the things about it that are interesting which are that like you know it starts off being a pretty faithful reinterpretation of Spider-Man for a Japanese audience and the whole reason they did that in the first place is because just localizing the Marvel comics like straight up wasn't working for them so they were like well we really need a manga approach to this rather than just you know importing the US comics and you know translating them so it is an interesting story even though the uh, it, it's it has a more interesting meta around it than it does like an actual like good manga <laughs> if that makes sense well one panel that probably didn't you didn't have to worry about filling up your time was solely your panel about mario oh. <laughs> oh god this panel uh this was my first panel of the weekend and i honestly think it was my weakest uh I know, like, I kind of, I, I was still kind of figuring out, like, what I wanted to do, because I know a lot about the Mario franchise, um, but like I said, there's so much that could be covered, because not only is there, like, the mainline games, there's the RPGs, and the, the different versions of the RPGs. You have Super Mario RPG, you have the Paper Mario series, you have the Mario Luigi series, you have Mario Kart, Mario Tennis, Mario Golf, uh, Super Smash Brothers, you just all these ways you can go, there's all the tie-in media... Isn't and there I guess Mario I was still. Math? Oh, a Mario what? Mario Math? Mar Isn't there a Mario Math? And, Is that a thing? Oh, yeah, there, there's, there's Donkey Kong Junior Math, and then there's oh. all the weird edutainment. I don't know if there was Mario. Mario teaches uh, typing. Typing. Well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's Mario teaching typing, and Mario's time machine. Hotel Mario. God. Um, <laughs> this could have been. I, as I said at the start of the panel, this could have been like a four-hour Ken Burns-style documentary. Mario <laughs> and Sonic at the Olympic Games. I mean, yeah, and I guess I, I when I pitched it as a history of Mario, I think I was still riding the high of the movie, um, yeah. and I didn't really think through what I what I really wanted to do, and that was more or less talk about like some of the things that kind of influenced and and shaped the series as time went on because i 
find game development is interesting, but I, I, it's a language I don't speak. Um, I can listen to someone like doing a, a documentary video on YouTube talk about like, oh, fitting this much data into this cartridge or whatever, but that's just like... I think when people get into games, they go one of two ways. They either go, like, they get super into, like, the STEM aspect of, like, gaming, of, like, like finding how to grind and maximize scores and, and do glitches and stuff. Or they become like me, and they basically view games as, like, lore vehicles. Hmm. Which is kind of weird to think about the Mario series as a lore vehicle, because uh, Miyamoto is very famously kind of, like, anti-lore, especially with Mario. But I think it's kind of an out... Uh, an outshoot of my love of like Alice in Wonderland and the Wizard of Oz and all these stories about person finds himself in strange wacky land um, but I, I kind of I think if I were to redo this panel it'd be less like a history of Mario and more like he like these are the inspirations behind Mario and it's a combination of some of that game stuff like Mario looks the way he does because of graphical limitations and Miyamoto's own limitations as an artist according to him and also like why are there mushrooms? Well, here's the reason why. It's not just Alice in Wonderland. It's not a drug reference. It's because Miyamoto knows in a lot of Western art, whenever you think about fairies and magic and fantasy, you see mushroom illustrations, and that comes from 19th century ideas in, in Europe about, like, mushrooms as fairy rings and stuff like that. So, like, the stuff, like... I remember reading a review for the movie where it was like, why are the mushrooms and the turtles fighting? And one there's a part of me, it's like, why are there flying monkeys? Why are there fighting trees? Why is there a talking <laughs> caterpillar? Like, some of the stuff you just kind of vibe with, you just kind of have to go whimsy. with the dream logic. <laughs> because whimsy. And then some of it's like, well, there are reasons. They're, they're turtles because when they made Mario Brothers, they were trying to develop an enemy that could be defeated in a certain way. They thought of a turtle. And then when they made Super Mario... Well, Mario's already fought turtles before, let's just use turtles again, but we need an evil turtle, we're going, we're going to make Bowser. And so it's like, it's it's wacky and surreal and whimsical, yeah, but like it also comes from like, uh, there's a sort of process behind where all this stuff comes from that I wanted to kind of go through. Um, and some of that's I mean, like evil Japanese turtles. Evil turtles have been plaguing us as a species for, you know, thousands of years. So it really is just a, a depiction of the raw truth of reality that Mario has to deal with evil turtles. I mean, you say that, but when they were designing Bowser, they designed him a, a bit on a, a Chinese soft-sailed turtle, which is a very aggressive sort of ornery species. So, like, yeah, there there is some truth to that in, in, in a way. <laughs> um, and I guess that's the stuff I, I find myself more interested in covering. I didn't want to be, like, I don't have the time to go through every single game and spinoff and, like, even story-heavy games like the, the RPGs. Uh, I, I just do not have the time to focus on all of them. And, like, I, I barely made it through the mainline games. Like, I really did have to yeah. speed through because mm -hmm. there was just so much to cover. And I think if I were to do it again, I would cut out all of the, like, I, I talked about the TV show again, I would just cut that. I would cut the movies. I would maybe keep the recent movie just because it was such, like, a larger phenomenon than the others that I might want to be like, and then this is parlayed into an actual narrative film, which has its weaknesses because these games are, in a way, inherently anti-narrative. But I don't know. I think I was still trying to figure out what I wanted this panel to be. And I had all this this knowledge... And these ideas of how to do it, and I, I think I, I fell short with my own expectations. I think you've got you've got kind of two ways forward here in in my in my view. Like uh, you do kind of what you just said, where well, first of all, I I I saw that panel. I thought it was really great, even though you kind of ran out of 
ran out of time there towards the end, which you know that happens to all of us. But I think that uh, you know if you if you take if you take what you've got now and like you said, kind of trim out some of the more ancillary stuff like the movie and the show, I think that would probably give you the time that you needed. Or you could just make it you know a two hour panel and just kind of get all of that stuff in there. But I but I understand the 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 risk you roll with two hour panels is that like well it can it can get a little bit tiresome both for the panelists and for the audience so there's a bit of a gamble there but um yeah i thought all of your content was was really uh well presented and interesting and you know a lot of stuff that i hadn't even heard about you know uh is, it seems like mario history is something that's discussed so often and frequently i figured i probably would have heard everything that you talked about in the panel but that was not the case at all like you definitely brought up some things that i didn't know so I thought I thought it was really cool, and the way that you presented it was really fun. I thought. I think that's another thing I've just tried to learn in general is like where like where is the common knowledge between myself and the audience because like I am a Nintendo nerd. I know like facts that like to other people with the same level of obsession as me, they are very rote. And like, if I were to go to a panel and someone was just talking about like, did you know the Mario 2 USA was reskinned from us? Like, yeah, we all know that. And <laughs> unless you have like a really new spin on it or like new information or an interesting way of presenting it, it's like, I, I, I don't need to be told this. So I always try to dig for, I either try to dig for specific facts or I try to like, take information like with the mushroom thing like Miyamoto there is a quote where he describes like oh these are just common in fairy tales whenever I saw fairy tales I saw mushrooms and then I decided well why is that and I decided to go on a rabbit hole of like okay why do we have mushrooms in fairy tales how did they get over to Japan how did it like what is the A to B that I have to kind of fill in the gap myself with I loved your presentation design like that's one aspect that I just I can't wrap my brain around yet it's just visual presentation of slides and i think yours for the mario one and for your batman one which we'll talk about later i loved because they were very colorful very eye-popping there was something interesting to look at and uh, i thought that really impressed me and just the amount of detail you went into your notes i i think one of the core premises of your presentation was dismantling the idea of wacky japan right and i thought you did that very well because yeah japan can be fun and whimsical but i think sometimes fans can be a little too obsessed with the wacky japan stuff which i thought you did a very good job of like yes there's a reason behind this design element or why mario looks this way or why they chose the goombas and why they did the turtles and the the uh the look of mario in the years before the pandemic, I did one on a panel on Sonic, and that was specifically the early Sonic games of the first, you know, the first generation, the Genesis games. And I could have limited myself to that specifically. I wasn't going to talk about necessarily all the media, all, all the 3D games, all the stuff that had come on prior, because like you, I knew that I was in a position where there's just too much content. And that was kind of what I had I chose to focus on is the conception of that franchise the initial few games where they got the ideas in place for what you know sonic gameplay is and the aesthetic and all of that stuff so i really liked it here and i, I even if you were just to focus on just the nes games honestly i know you kind of touch on the game boy games and then the uh, super mario world and i think you had a 
slides ready for 64 onward. But honestly, if you were to do this again, I'd say just do the NES games, the Famicom games. Like that is enough of a lead up. You know, one, two, and three gives you a good idea of what Mario is, the ideas that are in place. And, you know, if someone later wants to do one on the 16-bit games or the 64 games, then they are more than welcome to do so. But I think, I mean, hell, you have an hour just on the Famicom stuff. As it just is. pull up. Pull a Mel Brooks and call it It's a Me, A History of Mario Part 1. <laughs> if I were to do that, mm-hmm. I think I would actually stop at World. I would be like, these are the, the core 2D games, and then I would probably go from World, and then if I were to do a Part 2, it would yeah. be like, okay, 64 onwards, like the 3D games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I think, I mean, and part of this was also because I got sick of doing my Nintendo Outside Nintendo panel because it started to exhaust me. And because I got tired of only doing funny, like, jokey-jokey stuff when I was honestly more interested in talking about, like, somewhat more serious stuff, I I guess my worry was I can answer cultural questions, but I find, again, it's that weird divide of video game fans where it's like, they want to know, like, the lore aspects, like, this is why there are mushrooms, and then, like, oh, well, the the tech hard specs, they had this kind of sound chip, and I'm like, I don't know what a sound chip. I I only understand it from, like, a very, very basic standpoint. So were you saying that you made this pivot because you were having a jokey-jokey panic? Oh, my God. Wrap it up, boys. Wrap it up, boys. We're done here. All right. Everybody got a time dialogue and clap. Get ready. uh, No, it doesn't even deserve a clap. Well, well, how how was your crowd? How was your crowd for that one? How how do you think people were digging it? Um, I think they were were liking it. Um, And it was, like, maybe 20 people, if I had to guess, were at that panel. And I had a lot of people come up. 20. What, why'd you say what? I, think closer to 50, I feel like to, I felt like way more than twenty people. Yeah. I don't. I teach English. I don't teach math. I don't know how numbers work. Do you have eyes? Um, <laughs> I do, but I don't. I have very poor perception of numbers. Um, he was he was too busy showing us uh, Bob Hoskins. And, I guess so. there were uh, there were but, five thousand uh, people in that room, Sully. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, like there was a, a, a decent handful and I had people either come up to me after the panel or like as I was going about animation if they saw me saying they liked it. But I, I am, oh, nice. as everyone knows, my own worst critics. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, thank you. And I'm like, God, you must have terrible taste. Because if I saw that panel, I would have been taking notes. I would have had so many comments. Um, and of course, I immediately rushed to the guidebook app to see what my reviews are. And I, I will only listen to bad reviews. Yeah, if Sully ever says he was anything he ever did sucks, just uh, don't believe him because he's stupid yeah. and wrong. Yeah, I mean, I would agree that was probably your weakest of the weekend, but that's like the worst of the cream of the crop, you know? Like, it's not bad. It was it was notable that that was your first time giving it. Like, I know that because I know you. I know, like, your foibles. And I, w- I would recommend just kind of tightening foibles. up a bit if you give it again. And you should give it again, like, by all means. But it wasn't bad by any sake. It's just... You were you were being harsh on yourself once again, and it was it was a good panel. Like Bill said, I feel like your slide design was really well put together. Your videos made a lot of sense for what they were. Um, yeah, great panel. I just uh, t- maybe tighten it up a bit to get it in an hour so you don't rush. And uh, that's really the only thing I could say, honestly.
detail. We did a big panel all together. It was our mm -hmm. first. It was our only complete ensemble panel throughout throughout the weekend. We don't have a whole ton of ensemble panels, but this was this was certainly the big one where we talked about uh, anime that were turning 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and 60 in a panel called Animeversary's Three's Company, which is a panel that I put together because, you know, initially I wasn't going to be able to come to Animesmet at all, but some things changed in my circumstances and I was able to uh, come and one of our... Uh, other panelists, Ryan, had initially signed up to do a bunch of panels, but he ended up having to pull out. So I was just like, okay, I'll just take his time slot since I'm able to go now, so I'll do a bunch of panels. And Tobias, you were initially going to do this one, but you probably rightfully handed it off to me because you had plenty to do anyway. Um, yeah. So. This is, I mean, this is something, an idea I came up with. 2019 was the first year we did it, I want to say, right before the pandemic. This is me shamelessly yeah. stealing off a bunch of other longtime anime panelist. I want to do my own sort of uh, anniversary style panel, but let's just make it the joke being we do, like you said, the, the, the numbered year that it currently is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we did this, we did a version of this last year, except we were smart and sane and only did anime that turned 10. So we were able to talk mm -hmm. about a lot more excuse me a lot well a lot less but a lot more in a specific year i was really kind of dreading doing this one because i was like oh my gosh there's like there are so many titles that we're gonna have to go through i don't know how i'm going to be able to whittle this down to just being two hours worth of content and i was lamenting that to bill a bit as i was making it and thankfully whoosh i only had to cut like one clip out of the whole slideshow and we were able to make it work so really dodged a bullet on that one i thought we were going to go way over but we ended up not i think we kept our our conversation under control but anyway yeah we talked about yeah. oh gosh what are some examples we talked about attack on titan uh, astro boy <laughs> astro boy yeah uh attack on titan had an anniversary full metal alchemist wolf's reign the original cutie honey uh mm -hmm. cat's eye Go Go Thirteen, a uh, professional. Yup, uh, Crusher Joe, the movie. Pat Labor Two, I think, got a shout out. Uh, yeah, Armor Troopers, Votons, uh, Alita, well. Battle Angel. Where, where we heard someone go, yes, when Votons came to <laughs> Votons. Shout out, shout out to our friend Evan in the Discord. Yep, that's right, <laughs> that was him. And then he had to leave shortly after that. Uh, <laughs> he just wanted to show up for the Votons. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right an admirable goal but any, yeah we talked we just talked about a whole crap ton of things and um we all sort of got to lean into our specialties whenever there was a title up there that uh one of us knew more than others but i think we did a really good job with that one i think this is a fun yeah. panel model and i i hope that we can continue to to do it the sad part is is that like i can't run this one next year or the year after that or the year after that i'm gonna have to hold on to this for another decade before I can do it again. So it's like a whole lot of work for like doing it once or maybe like twice during a calendar year. Um, but I think it's a good fun model to sort of celebrate anime that are having birthdays in a given year and sort of get people to, you know, look back and see like, oh shoot, wow, that's a lot older than I expected. Or, you know, getting a chance to show people things that they wouldn't otherwise be exposed to, and anniversaries are a really good way to do that. So it was it was really fun. What'd yeah. you guys think? 
I mean, the original idea, you know, the reason I kind of was doing this to begin with was, like you said, it's something that um, shows a lot of anime fandom. It shows a lot of anime culture, a lot of the, the canon over time. I was very happy this year that we got Astro Boy. That was, you know, very, very important to uh, in anime as a whole. So it's it's something that I feel like really we could just do. I mean, you just do those snippets of things. Let somebody in our the on the uh, somebody on the panel talk about their particular thing. I know, like when we did Cutie Honey, that was pretty much Sully's deal. Sully took it away and was able to give all of the description for Cutie Honey. We could we could you know have at that point and pass it on to the next thing to you know bill talk about gogo right after so i think it's pretty easy to do it requires a moderator to put it together and you pace it of course but it's something that you can pass on a lot of work to the people on the panel and in, in two hours you get a lot of anime and the a lot of people in the audience get to like you say um get exposed to some stuff they probably have heard of maybe barely have heard of and maybe I've never heard of it all. So it's a, a useful endeavor, I think. On that note, I want to bring up what was probably to me the funniest part of the weekend. So this animation was the first that I had brought my boyfriend to, and he had never been to an anime convention before. This was his first animation, and he's a very casual anime fan. Like, he's seen the Toonami stuff, and that's about it. Um... When we got to Creamy Mommy, one, everyone laughed because everyone finds that title just so hilarious. But, but the thing that got him was when Tori and I started talking about, wait, which what magical girl did Creamy Mommy team up with Minky Momo? And he afterwards said, <laughs> when you started funny. saying Creamy Mommy meets Minky Momo, I thought I was having a stroke. Like I thought you were making things up at that point. And for the past... Pastel Yumi. And, oh yeah, Pastel, I need to bring that up to him, because for the past, like, week or so since we've been back from AZ, whenever, like, he mishears me or something, he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever you said, you know, Creamy Mommy and Minky Momo and Gabby Gooby and Scooby Dooby and Java Lava and whatever. Scooby <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, a. no, that was, um, I, I wasn't sure at the time it was Creamy Mommy that uh, had their series ended by dying in a car accident. And it was no, it was Mickey Momo that died in a car accident, right? Man, spoilers. Episodes. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Spoilers for a 30 to 40 year old TV show <laughs> where the little girl dies in a horrible car accident. <laughs> Fun for the whole family. Oh, we got to show the GoGo 13, the professional, incredible CGI helicopter scene. Yeah, take that, Dire Straits. <laughs> and your CG for your music video. <laughs> Our CG is about equal. Uh, but yeah, there's a. I think what I like about the anniversary panel is it's a good kind of uh, overview of anime over a particular period of time. And most anime fans, well, I don't mean to say most, but I'm gonna say most. Most know stuff from maybe like ten years ago, five years ago, and so they'll yeah. learn about something from like the '80s or the '90s or something from the '70s that would intrigue them and they're like oh that sounds interesting i should go check that out and i think mm -hmm. that's one cool aspect about the anniversary panel mm -hmm. and to kind of keep that back into what sully was saying about the information he was trying to present with mario it, it's very easy for us as you know high level anime nerds to feel like a lot of those basic facts are just something everybody knows and that is true when you like go online or go into specific fandom spaces 
but it, it, it is important to remember that you know that like you say that the people going to cons are going to be younger by nature uh, we're going to see a lot of people that are only into anime over the past five years or so and have got into things like demon slayer the stuff like demon slayer my hero are now old to them god forbid i thought so we think of things that are came out in the 90s and the 80s and onward or we think about you know video game development history that back from 83 86 and it's not something that everybody does know at anime con it's not necessarily a bad thing to repeat that uh here it's easy to think everyone is astro boy of course everyone knows astro boy he's the first anime but no i mean it's, it's all done of now where that's just not the case yeah there's it's a there's a pile of stuff for people to watch so things get lost in the shuffle. heaping piles of anime speaking of creamy mommy <laughs> wow well, i would probably the better segue would be speaking of piles of things to watch austin your you did your 10 anime movies you may have missed panel I did, uh, you know, continued the uh, proselytizing about Inuo because that was the first film that I talked about in my list. Uh, I've talked about this panel before because I do it at basically every convention that I ever do because it has a great clickbaity title and the panel is always different for me because I always try and change the lineup. So it's a great sort of, it's a pan, it's a good panel for people who have seen it to come to and it's a great panel for people that have never seen it to come back out to it's basically my excuse to share with the world the cool movies that i've seen since the last time i did this panel uh and i did the same thing here i put in a couple things that were new i put in uh you know probably the one that i'll take out pretty soon i put in suzume just because you know it just came out of theaters and people should totally check it out whenever it comes out on home video or streaming or what have you but also put in some old stuff like uh, Crusher Joe the movie because Bill and I just watched that for the first time recently and really really enjoyed it and then I put in a couple things that were a little bit more timely I put in um, uh, Captain Harlock Arcadia of my youth to sort of uh, remind people of Leiji Matsumoto's legacy since he passed away last year or was that earlier this year I don't I don't even remember yeah it was this year January yeah um yeah, so I talked about that and talked about a couple other things. And uh, I always use, uh, or lately I've been using uh, my, uh, if I have any extra time at the very end, to do a bonus movie. And most of the time that ends up being Promare. So uh, it's a fun panel. People always seem to really dig it. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's really all I've got to say about it. Not only did you talk about Inuo for the second out of, what, four times, you also brought up Ongaku, our sound, stealing yeah. light thunder from, from my later panel. <laughs> That's right. That's another great one that I was excited to expose people to. I need to get a good clip of him running around with the recorder. That really needs to be the clip that I show, because I think that's the to. one that will really sell it to people. I have to send that to you later. Oh, thank you. Sully, how was Batman this time? <laughs> so I feel like this one it was fine uh, it wasn't very different from my experience of presenting it last year other than I cut some clips out and kind of figured out like where like I, I, I think I got the timing down better uh, this is a panel I enjoy doing and I kind of uh, it, it's very similar to your Spider-Man panel where it's not only like this is stuff that happened in Japan with Batman but also like 
this is how Japan has interacted with Batman itself, like Japanese storylines or, or characters that specifically reference anime and things like that. Um, I, I I enjoy giving it. I'm still trying to figure out, like, I might switch up some of the things I cover because there there is stuff I leave out because I just don't have time or I don't know how to present it in a panel context in a way that's interesting, but... Like there is a there is a uh, issue of I forget which book it is, but there is a Batman comic from the early two thousands where he goes to Japan because there's literally a villain called the Otaku who is an Otaku who buys like battle used uh, superhero and supervillain stuff. Like if Batman has a chunk of his cape torn off during a fight, like there are people who scavenge it and sell it to nerds online. And there's this weird guy who runs, like, a cosplay cult that, like, he he has bought enough Batman stuff to stitch together a Batman suit. And there's, like, that has to f- fight, like, guys dressed as Astro Boy and stuff like that. And it's very, like, there's a lot of Orientalism in it and a lot of, like, this is what people thought of the anime fandom in this time of peer in this period, but I I'm trying to find a way to slot that into like the overarching narrative of like this is Batman in Japan. Um, there's like a weird pachinko game where they got a guy who I think might have done some JoJo stuff. They got someone to redesign all the characters to give them like a very like Japanese flavor. Like I know the Riddler has kind of a Clockwork Orange look. Mm. Um, they did like 3D models of, of redesigns of the characters specifically for this pachinko game. And stuff like that I like to cover, but uh, I think I'm just I'm gonna play with it some more. I'm I applied to have this panel done at GalaxyCon in Raleigh, um, and this will be the first time I've ever done a panel at a non-anime con, and I think I'll use that as an excuse to sort of switch things up. Um, but yeah, I I like this panel, and I think I just want to add more research to it and maybe like find different things that are interesting to talk about because I don't want to make it a two-hour panel. Um, but I don't want it to be like, I do the same thing all the time because there's some stuff I can just kind of mention and then keep going forward. This was yet another panel that was pretty great and Sully really sounds down on here on the podcast. <laughs> well, how, how this was is a great crowd? panel, Sully. <laughs> yeah, I have to ask again, how did the crowd respond to it? Oh, they liked it. They really liked it. I think the one thing is like a guy asked me, he's like, hey, do you know why they called it Batman Ninja and not Batman Samurai? And I thought he was like, I thought it was like, I'm going to Setting offer you this joke. information. Well, yeah. no, I thought it was going to be like, oh, this is why. I was like, oh, is this information I, I don't know? I was like, no, I don't. Tell me. He's like, oh, I thought you knew. I was like, well, well, well no. <laughs> like, it's just, they just pick ninja. I don't know. Like, I mean, ninjas are more well-known in the West. I don't know. I was like, oh, I was like, okay. And it, it wasn't like bad. It's just like the way he, he was like, I thought he was going to offer information up. I was like, oh, is this a tidbit <laughs> I missed? I'm like, I watched all the bonus features and never mentioned it. He's like, oh, I thought you would know. I was like. Uh, no, no, I don't. I, I didn't work on this film. I, I, did, I, isn't, I didn't. Isn't, isn't Batman a ninja, though? Like, he's not a samurai. No. He's trained well, in, like, ninja arts, right? Well, like, well obviously. I, yes. Uh, yeah, yes. I think he's more of a ninja than a samurai in terms of, like, what he does and his... Because, like, the whole thing about samurai is that, generally speaking, they're they're, like... They're, like loyal to like certain noble lords or whatever they're like soldiers but i I mean maybe ninja the same way i mean i need to brush up on my japanese history i guess but like i I mean you tend to be more subterfuge and sneaking and stuff yeah yeah in the darkness and that sort of thing yeah 
Yeah, my understanding is that ninja are just assassins. Like, our idea of, yeah, like, the yeah. black-clad ninja is very, like, a pop culture thing. And that really sure. it's just like, oh, no, they're just, like, paid assassins who, you know, may or may not work for, like, a larger organization. Yeah. I mean, I guess ninja, because Batman is, like, a like the stealth mission sort of thing. Not so much in that film. I mean, you can't really see say he's being particularly stealthy whenever he's driving the Batmobile around feudal Japan. But that's why that movie is awesome. And walking around as a <laughs> as a as a Franciscan monk, but with the bat I, symbol carved into his hair. That movie <laughs> is brilliant, flawless. Good. Love it. It's so good. <laughs> and you yeah. know what? I, I <laughs> remember me. I asked. I was like, hey, who, how many people have seen it? Only like two or three people raised their hands. I was kind of shocked that no, that very few people had seen it. That's a bummer. That's a great film. Another another thing we've done a podcast on. And <laughs> you've had in your 10 movies you need to see panel. Multiple times. I mean, I, it's not a movie I would have probably watched by myself. Like, I still haven't seen, what, Gotham Knight, the anthology? Eh. Hey, we can talk about it here in a second. Like, I don't <laughs> particularly go to my way to watch it, but I enjoy it as someone that doesn't really care about batman i really enjoyed batman it was a lot of it was a dumb fun movie to sit down and watch and enjoy i i would completely agree but i yeah i thought your panel was great i thought it was very informative i i really liked the information you presented i thought it was it was well presented i i don't i have no complaints myself well tobias you're not missing much with uh batman gotham night uh, some well, good why don't you business. tell us about Batman got that night? Okay, and other things. So, so <laughs> came out in two thousand eight. <laughs> but uh, no, I I did my anthology panel again for the second time. Uh, I thought information wise it went well. I didn't screw up Japanese names too badly, so I was proud about that. Woo! I f- I feel like in terms of turnout, I had a big turnout in the beginning, and then eventually people kind of drifted out, and I kept about a third of them. I think that's about right. And we were in the room with all the tables, which I kept wanting to say, welcome to my anthology lab. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be Uh, making anthologies today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, pull out your tweezers and pull out your beakers. We will be examining these <laughs> anthologies today. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Put on some I safety didn't... glasses. You don't want to get the anime in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I wash station in the back. <laughs> I didn't change the panel too much. I added Leiji Matsumoto's anthology, The Cockpit, which I think is really good. And hopefully that gets relicensed at some point. And I talked about Tobias's favorite show, Pop Team Epic, because it's. It kind of fits the anthology spirit, but I feel I, I feel like uh, for this panel, one I can't do a two-hour panel. I tried my damnedest to get it two hours, and I can't do it. I can get it to about like an hour and a half, maybe an hour forty, but I can't get it to the two-hour mark. So next time I run it, it's gonna just be an hour panel. I wish you could yeah. side. You, I wish you could side deck slides in PowerPoint. I know you can hide them, but it'd be nice if you could like side deck them like uh, like a card, like like cards in a card deck. That way mm. you can take them out and not have to just plainly hide them. Because I could definitely I think, do that with I anthology. Think... Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think you're running into a problem of like 
there are plenty of anime anthologies worth talking about, but there's also, like, a finite number of them. Like, you basically mm. cover all of the ones that <laughs> we've been able to find. Like, there might be a few you don't talk about, but I don't know if the ones that you haven't talked about would fill the rest of that 30 minutes, because I'm pretty sure you cover, like... 95% of all existing anime anthologies, which is pretty impressive. There's but yeah, like I mean, I see your, like I see your two, point. There's like yeah. two or three that I can't talk about them because they're not widely available. Like there's right. like one one thing from 4C, which they put out, which I it's not available. And there's another anthology that I looked up that's not really available here in the West. So, but I've pretty much covered everything that's available, and a, a lot of talking about Robot Carnival and Memories, and Genius Party, Genius Party Beyond, Star Wars Visions, a lot of stuff people know about. And I mm. like the idea of my panel, but I think I'm going to put it on pause for next year because I've done it twice. And there's not much I can add to it. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to try and go and explore and do different things. I've, and just kind of have this in the background for the future. My my only real complaint with my panel is I wish I could figure out PowerPoint presentation in terms of visual presentation. I just, I for some reason, I can't wrap my head around it compared to what you and Sully and Tobias do. I just can't wrap my head around it. It just takes I mean, practice. A lot of that just takes time. Yeah, yeah. Like my early my early stuff was just as basic. Black background, white text, whatever generic font, you know, maybe a picture or two. It wasn't until I met you guys that I even thought about putting animated GIFs in there. Yeah. That's something I noticed that you do and it's that you picked that up from Austin. Saw that a lot more from Austin's earlier stuff. For sure, but like I never oh would have dreamed about adding animated GIFs initially, and that's not entirely my style. But like I've taken those ideas, and there was hell. I talked to Sully and Austin this weekend about how they did their their slides. There was a lot of interesting tricks. So there's there's always something you can learn, whether it is in paneling or even podcasting. Little tricks you can always pick up, and you can learn and take forward. <laughs> I just think you should do. You're gonna you're gonna do. You're gonna eventually gonna get there. It's fine. You know, I see you making progress for sure, but don't beat yourself over it at this point. Um, I'm not, I, f- I felt pretty good. I kept around probably like 20 or 30 people for the whole thing, which is really impressive. Was, it's hard to do that for, for a two hour panel for a two hour panel. That's pretty impressive. I was, and most people stayed majority of the time. And I even had some people come up to me and ask like, Hey, where's this at? Mm. Um, where can I go watch this? So, if I can get people to do that, I'm pretty happy. Like, that's the goal. Go check this out. Did you so. tell them that it was at the discotheque booth like we spent our entire <laughs> anime-versaries panel doing? A good majority of them were, go to the discotheque <laughs> booth, go downstairs, go get memories, go get Robot Carnival. Yeah, they were actually <laughs> there this year. I mean, they they typically do come to Animazement, thankfully, but they were not there last year, and they came back this year. It's always great to have actually discotheque right there in the dealer's room because their their convention rates are really great it's good for me but it's bad for my wallet which we'll probably get (laughs) into which we'll get into a bit later 
But uh, I did talk oh, about I Star. I did. St- I did talk about Star Wars Visions, which Tobias went into further detail about for his panel. Yeah, that's, that's the next one. I just want to kind of add yours. Well, you know, your PowerPoint. You're, you're working on it. I do think your presentation, your speaking, has gotten a lot better. Uh, thinking back to when you gave your, I think your One Piece panel back in 2019 here at Amazement. Uh, even hell, even when you gave your anthologies panel last year at Queen City, like I think you did a like you've you've grown leaps and bounds uh, this year, and it's it's shown for sure. So don't don't count yourself, uh, you know, off so soon. Yeah, I like you said, like you grow and you evolve and you get better is the more you do it. So I was I was pretty uh, happy. Yeah. Yeah, but you talked about Star Wars Visions in your Anthologies panel, and I expounded upon that in my panel just on that. I think that was, what, the next day? It's a Saturday evening, I want to say. Yeah. I gave this. So this is interesting. This is one of one of the two that we gave, uh, I guess I specifically gave, on the uh, what, south, the south wing of the building. So the, a lot of the fan panels are on the, the, the north wing. But the South Wing is generally reserved for the larger culture, I guess. And for whatever reason, they determined that Star Wars Visions was worth the larger double-sized room for this. And I, I think I, I've gotten this for surrealism before. And I think it ultimately makes it seem a lot, the crowd seem a lot thinner just because it's so spread out. But I had a decent turnout for this. I think they could have packed it, packed us in the, you know, like sardines into one of the single wide rooms. But Regardless, I think this worked out pretty well. I, I've only given this once before at last year's Queen City, back when Force, uh, went, as rather back when Visions was still pretty fresh when season two was just announced. Uh, did not want to cover season two in any great depth, but I did kind of give a broad overview of who these studios are, these international studios, and why you should care about them. Uh, I was really worried about this going in because I had only done this research last year and with all the new panels I was putting together, had didn't have a whole lot of time to refresh myself, but I, all the information flowed really easily. I think that just being a good fan, I should say being a big fan of, of these studios, these anime works and the franchise as a whole really helped just present this in an interesting manner. Hmm. I think uh, much like your anthologies where you have to talk about a lot of different people, a lot of different studios have a lot of different names rather than just focus on one small group of people, one small thing, having to quickly reach out and recall this information about all this stuff can be a bit of a challenge. And I definitely made use of PowerPoint's notes feature to to include everything I needed to talk about. But uh, this is another one of those things that it's easy to manage the panel by having a lot of video and by having a short clip uh, for each short, as well as a little sort of informational clip whether it's about the production or some of the other things the studios have done, it really helps uh, space space this panel out. <laughs> space. Eh. <laughs> I think I was joking with you in the hotel room about how like this is less of a Star Wars Visions panel and more of an excuse for Tobias to show other people cooler anime. <laughs> Yeah. Not that vi- not that Visions is bad by any means. Visions is very good, but it's like, you know, you're just using it as a vehicle to be like, "Hey kids, did you like the twins? Let me show you some Promare." Yeah, I mean that, that's pretty much it. We talked about, um, I I think I briefly talked about Batman Ninja just because Kamikaze Doge did the duel, which is one of my favorite of the shorts. That's a great I had, one. I had to, 
talk a little bit about Kurosawa. You know, I'd, I'd done a Star Wars in Japan panel previously, very much like your Spider-Man and Sully's Batman panel. Let's take a Western idea, see what the Japanese influence is, and do a whole panel on it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I talked a little about Kurosawa and the cyclical influence on Western film on him and then his influence on the West, including George Lucas and how George Lucas' creation went on to influence Japan, Japan fan culture. So it's kind of cool to bring that back in a very truncated, small fashion while also talking, like you say, a little bit about Trigger, a little bit about Science Saru. I got to show people more. Keep your hands off a Zoken. Mm. And uh, it was it was kind of neat because we just got recently announced that uh, Evil Gongora, the director for Toby, uh, is also directing the new Scott Pilgrim short. So it was kind of neat, you know, for people who are excited, uh, interested, intrigued by what the Scott Pilgrim anime is going to look like. Well, look at look at Toby and Science Saru and the Star Wars Vision short. Probably going to look a whole lot unlike that. You don't only like that one because it's your namesake. <sighs> that certainly helps. Certainly <laughs> helps. But I, I got the, the, this for this panel. I did something new, which was I made my own pre-roll folder just for this. So in in years past, I have one big pre-roll folder, which I have commercials and music videos and all the kind of assorted crap that I show before my panels. But this one had a very specific Star Wars one where I show the Japanese Star Tours videos, oh, the promo clips, some of the the newer Yoda themed um, cup noodle clips uh, included so like i found a bunch of japanese commercials specifically for this i think i'm gonna start doing for panels only on forward is my curate playlist specifically for pre-roll because i think that is something that is pretty important to get people engaged even before the panel starts it's a good idea probably something i should do as well because i just ended up showing like the same Zombieland saga concert like three times over the weekend <laughs> and i love that clip from Zombieland Saka, but uh, maybe I should cater it a little bit more to to uh, relevant uh, panels, especially because AZ is one of those incredible conventions that has 30-minute staggered panels, which is incredible. Yeah. It gives you a little bit of time in case you need to go over for whatever reason and gives you plenty of time to set up after the last person is gone. And, like, man, at other conventions that will go unnamed where like it's like the the hours are smushed together it's like if something goes from nine to ten the next panel starts at ten and that is just a nightmare because you basically have to like walk in there as the panelist is finishing and sort of like stand up in the front or like start setting up as they're tearing down and it's always really awkward and uh, yeah. totally we... avoidable. I mean, they, you don't even have to do 30-minute <laughs> staggers. You could do, like, 10-minute staggers. But I love the 30 minutes because it keeps everything nice and clean. Yeah. Anyway. Can we also can we also shout out their awesome tech support? Because yeah. every time I got, I got there, usually around 15 minutes early. And as soon as I got in there, they had a tech guy or tech girl come in and say, Hey, do you need help with anything? Mm-hmm. And they were always there. Um on the dot so Mm -hmm. their their tech crew is always amazing and are always there to help you out like i was setting up anthologies and they said oh wait no you put your speaker on this not that and so that helped me avoid a potential pitfall if i didn't Mm -hmm. know that so yeah their Mm -hmm. tech crew is the best and they put a tech table like outside of the fan panels hall because kind of like mm-hmm. Tobias said, there's like two panel halls. There's like the stuff that's mostly fan panels, 
over on one wing and on the other side it's like you know guest stuff and they've got tables over there but it's not like tech support but in the fan panel hall where like it's the the amateurs you know people that are just fans and you know might need more tech support they have a table there with somebody staffed it at it all the time and they're always coming in to check in so really really great operation they've got But yeah, so like I like to have a pre-roll, you know, for all my panels, just because I feel like, you know, I've, I really enjoy clip clip show deals. I like having that podium to sit and show people funny clips and interesting stuff. And that really kind of tees into my next panel uh, later Saturday night, much later Saturday night. I brought back surrealism and anime, uh, more or less my excuse to do a clip show panel since uh, Hale's already been taken. <laughs> and uh this one worked really well i think um this one i tried to add a lot of new material uh surrealism a thing that i've been doing for a long time now and it has gotten a bit stale i've showing the same stuff telling the same jokes i certainly felt the past few times that i've done it that i'm just going through the motions and it feels a little old so i made a point to cut out a lot of the older stuff even though i i you know, liked a lot of it to bring back some stuff i had uh, kind of thrown by the wayside and introduce a bunch of stuff from the past three or four years because there has been a lot of surreal anime and uh, I think it really it works uh, for better or for worse this panel was from 11 p.m. to 1 in the morning uh, that is always a challenge to present and it certainly has gotten more of a challenge as I got older <laughs> and uh, it goes past my bedtime uh, but I do think it, it adds something to it it lets me be a little more um, oh how do you say irreverent among things, uh, since I know that I'm not speaking to kids, I can, you know, be a little looser with my language. I can be a little the, goofier, a little... The irreverent mm, Tobias. The, the, the irreverent <laughs> Tobias. <laughs> I can be a little snarky about things in ways that I don't normally enjoy for more informative panels. It's kind of a lot of fun to put on in a certain way. And it's when I when I really dive into that sort of snarky persona, I think that adds to it, and it really added here. Uh, I mean, since we got there early, um, we pretty much got there with the full thirty minutes to 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 to, to spend. Uh, I just played a bunch of old backlog clips. I had a lot of old Pop Team Epic, uh, some extra stuff that I couldn't put in the main panel. I uh, showed Mahoshojo Nadia Girls and Goody Goody Fairies, something I've had for in the panel for a few years now. And uh, yeah, good crowd. This was also on the South Wing, but it wasn't one of the single uh, single wide rooms this time. And I I I think it started pretty packed. I kept I would yeah, say I kept maybe about did. half the audience by the uh, by the end of it, uh, even to one. I was certainly flagging by the last thirty minutes. Um, I tried to drink, you know, part of a five hour energy. I think that really hurt me more than anything. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think my body uh, metabolizes caffeine in weird ways something i'm having to come to terms with uh but i pretty much had died by that but it was still a lot of fun i had a like one person that knew what junkhead was i expected zero people to know what junkhead was and the single fact that one person had seen it and was there to like you know be excited to show everyone else was really cool 
all, uh, all, all two junkhead fans in the whole world were in that room <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah shout out to the one other junkhead fan <laughs> It was, yeah, um, I'm all, it, 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 it was interesting because, like, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you had all that extra time in the beginning. Um, I took some time to sort of uh, specifically go up to people and hand out, like, business cards and stickers to people because there there weren't so many people in there. And I knew we had some time to kill ahead of time. So I just, like, went and personally handed them out to some people. And some people said some really <laughs> nice things about having seen some of our panels before previously and coming back after... Um, after seeing them at conventions in the past, so shout shout out to to those cool folks who are uh, repeat offenders to the the third impact uh, clown show. Yeah, that was a really great energy. Sometimes those panels, sometimes surrealism, especially the late night ones, can run a little lower energy where people are just too tired. But I think it worked uh, from start to finish. But yeah, that went pretty late. I think in the future, you know, I, I have it eighteen plus because I've showed Belladonna before. Um, I show stuff that's a little skirting the line on what could be general audience panels. So I like to keep it 18 plus just so I can have the option available. I mean, hell, we, I show the, the third impact from End of Ava, which has exploding people and, you know, giant forehead eye vaginas and stuff. Uh, so there's things that I don't really feel exactly comfortable putting in general audiences. But it may come down to turning this into a one-hour deal, general audience panel. I'm really going to have to retool that and think how I want to do it in the future because that was late Saturday night when that wrapped up, which ties us directly into early Saturday morning with Sully's first panel. So uh, on Saturday morning at 9.30 in the morning, I did my Ursa panel, uh, which I retitled to... All You Need Is Alum, which I then further retitled in a joke as a tribute to Tina Turner that uh, the new title is What's Alum Got To Do With It. Um, <laughs> God, I, my boyfriend was the one who, who said that, and I did that as a joke for him. Uh, there was a, a good lot one. of really good, good turnout for this panel, despite the fact that I asked people, it's like, who here has, has heard of Odyssey Yatsura? And not that many people raised their hand. Not that many people had been watching the, the new show or had heard of the old one or read the, the re-release of the manga. Uh, I guess they just came out because they liked the other third impact panels. Um, well, that's kind this, of fun. This was a revamp of a panel I had done, uh, God, probably four years ago, four or five years ago now at this point. Um, and really the only thing I did is I trimmed it and added stuff about the, the new uh the new anime uh i kind of uh the information is good and i like it but i definitely am going to play with how i do the movies because there's so many movies and ovas that uh I, my current thing is i just talk about the ones i think are historically important for the series or which mark certain turning points uh but i want to find like a better through line for that but i i really like how this turned out i love the energy the audience gave me despite the fact very few of them kind of really knew what i was talking about I got to talk about my love of Bewitched and how it influenced anime. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to do this panel again. I think I was kind of nervous because I I was worried because I hadn't done this panel in so long, and I'm like, I just it feels outdated uh, visually. When I took the old version of, I'm like, wow, I've I've gotten so much better at at designing slides and stuff. Uh, but when I revamped, I'm like, well, the information's all there. It's just fixing the visuals and that honestly didn't take much time and you know the fact that it didn't take me any time at all to to revamp it and get it to where i'm happy i'm kind of wanting to do more with it it's kind of really reignited 
um, my passion for preaching the good word of Lum. And ironically, since uh, since that amazement, like the Monday, yeah, Memorial Day, my boyfriend and I were taking a walk along the river walk where we live, and he ran into a friend of his who runs a ghost walk in Wilmington. And he mentions our panels, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I was Atari, or I was Lum's dad in the dub they did down here in Wilmington." And I thought I was gonna flip, uh, just complete happenstance <laughs> that he mentioned. He's like, "Oh yeah, he talked about Lum." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I was Lum's dad when they did that two episode dub," and uh, <laughs> it was it was just very just very bonkers. That's that's really uh, wild, quite serendipitous. Yeah, I, I really hate I missed this one. I've not seen it any of the times that you've performed it. So this is definitely one on my my personal backlog. So hopefully you do it again specifically for me. Specifically for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that I can shop it around to other conventions, mm-hmm. um, especially now that the new series is out. And uh, I, I usually kind of like promote it as well. I had a, an anniversary recently. It's a classic. It's the original like magical girlfriend show like she, she's on all the, the the city pop and vaporwave stuff on youtube like the kids love them they don't know who she is yeah, but they love her and a, a lot of it is on streaming now at least the films and the tv show has already it's already like you can pre-order volume two i think that yes. comes out in a couple months so it's it's more available now than maybe ever we are living in a lumisance true <laughs> <laughs> i kind of wonder how many of those people there sunday morning were there because of the new show i've seen the, the discussion online sort of stall out so i'm kind of i'm interested to see what the crossover there is for new lump fans with uh, the 2022 anime mm. the new rosei yatsura as i like to call it uh, Ooh, good one shin urusei yatsura <laughs> shin lum shin lum slum <laughs> Well, speaking speaking Slum. of other Shin things, what's the uh, next panel? <laughs> oh, that's a good one, Shinichiro Watanabe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did my Mr. Shinichiro. Mr. New Ichiro. <laughs> New Uh Yeah, uh, I've done this panel before. Probably talked about it before in the past, and it's just my love letter to Shinichiro Watanabe anime, uh, where I get to talk about how cool Cowboy Bebop is and how cool Space Dandy is for an hour or so and talk about one of my favorite directors for this one it was the one that i felt like had aged the most for me in the sense that i basically went back this time around and rewrote the entire script because i had written it in a voice that i previously used and had become unhappy with so i retooled a lot of the language that i used to make it sound a little bit more how like i would say things now and that that Mm. seems kind of weird because probably the last time i did this was only like 2019 but i've i've come to prefer a different way of pitching this material than i did previously so i just kind of rewrote the whole script and i'm i'm not as good of a panelist as maybe some of you guys are because i rely deeply on the powerpoint notes feature i very rarely do things off the cuff because I like to I like to not get myself stuck in a situation where I forget information that I know that I know I just can't recall it in that specific moment um, mm-hmm. and then there's a lot of like timing things or like specific ways that I want to say things so I'm a big notes 
reader. So um, I write scripts for basically all of my panels, and and this was just one of the one of the times where I completely rewrote the whole thing. Whereas like Spider Man, I didn't really have that problem this time because I had written it so recently. But I'm proud with how this panel turned out. I got to I I, I tried showing a little bit more clips because I realized like the first like. 15 minutes of the whole thing i don't really show any clips at all so i added in a few things from like gundam stardust memory and some stuff from macross plus and like more clips from bebop more clips from shampoo more clips from space dandy because you know uh i i think that's just a good way to to break up my delivery and to 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 give give people the goods you know they want to they want to see the clips from the good anime not just necessarily listen to me talk about them so i was really happy with how this one turned out but you know it's kind of the same panel i've done a bunch of times so nothing much new to report i think it's interesting here you talk about rewriting it and using the notes to sort of rewrite it in the way you present it that's the notes is something that i don't use as much as i should i'm i'm pretty good at short-term memory with things like remembering production facts but when I, you know, for example, with the Star Wars Visions panel, so much of that stuff was done last year, mm. and I had to go back and re-research a lot of it just to remember it. And I made a point this time to leave myself better notes for <laughs> certain works and certain people because that's just a thing I forgot to do. So certainly don't feel ashamed <laughs> at using the feature that you've been given. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, that's part of it, too. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I, I like to, you know, once I do the research, kind of leave it alone, like, have it there i don't want to have to like re-look up factoids and you know interesting things i want to like if i've done the research i want to make a note of it so that i can talk about it and kind of do the panel at the drop of a hat so i don't have to like refresh my mind because all my notes are right there well probably my favorite new panel is this one that you guys did which i thought was a blast what's yeah, the name so this one this... <laughs> <laughs> We should explore the name a little more. What is anime? <laughs> yes, this is our exploring anime advertising panel. This is uh, I put this. I thought thought about this a few months back. I was actually listening to the Video Game History Hour podcast, Frank Savaldi, and he goes on a tangent uh, about Robert Woodhead's Anime Ego and the commercials oh, they used to do. And it made me have a little nostalgic moment. It's like, man, those commercials were great, and there's something special about. You know, the way those commercials existed in the history. And immediately I was like, you know what? We could do a panel on this. At the point I was thinking of what amazement panels we could put in. You know what? We could do this. This could be a fun panel. I've seen a lot of panels about Japanese commercials that are very goofy and very, uh, you know, look at this wacky Japan. So I kind of talked about earlier with the Mario panel. And I wanted to give it a little more serious thought than just that. While also being... Yeah, pretty funny, because sure, they, a lot of these anime, anime promos and commercials are goofy and silly. So I told Bill this, and immediately Bill's like, you know what? I'm going to do that panel. <laughs> He's like, you know what? You know what? Your panel, our panel, comrade. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, I was like, well, okay. I mean, I guess you can be on it. But thankfully, Bill took it over, because as we get closer and closer to the deadline and me being a little lazy and having done panels you know all pandemic i've certainly run out of time and he over time bill's all right well here's the clips i found and i did all the research let me put a powerpoint together you know i just kind of letting it sit by the wayside while i put together uh my new surrealism and the 2020 anime review 
Uh, but so luckily, Bill handed me pretty much everything I needed to do, and I was able to get it done a lot faster. And having all that extra time was we were able to you know pump it up and beef it up a bit in ways that I was a little worried about doing. And it turned out to be a really fun panel. I think the the materials there is already kind of fun. People are already primed to have a lot of fun seeing the silly commercials. But us having a, a more informed event at the same time, I think, kept people engaged in ways that. I wasn't really expecting going on it. It turned out really well. The turnout also was surprising because I thought, like, for mm. this sort of like niche of a of a subject, we'd have maybe like a smaller turnout. But no, the room filled up pretty full, from what I could see, and people mostly stayed through the whole thing. <laughs> I got people to sing the uh, the Kit Kat jingle. Which I did not expect, but they did it. And uh, they, 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 they enjoyed the commercials uh, that we put in there. Like, I, I love the, the local store one that you found to buy us. Or yeah, the, Joy uh, Japanimation. <laughs> or the, uh, was it the, the History of Anime Volume 2 or Secret History of Anime Volume 2? Yeah. He's saying no Mickey Mouse. He's saying no Looney Tunes. This is anime. (laughs) Yeah, those were were a lot of fun. And it was also kind of us talking about where things are going, where things are pretty mainstream. Like there's an ad for One Piece Red and the new Jinjutsu Kaisen movie in Times Square. Goku is in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And we're getting to the point where... Everything's either going subscription or are we going back to advertising based mm-hmm. on what we've seen with stuff like with Netflix and Max, everyone's favorite streaming service. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I know you guys, so I know you would do this anyway. But I think one of the things that makes this panel so great is that not only do you guys show the funny, wacky ways that people have tried to sell anime to people in the United States over the last, like, uh I don't know, decades but you also narrativize it in a way that shows that hey these these changes in advertising reflect a change in the way that the market exists mm-hmm. now versus the way that existed 10 20 30 years ago and i think that's kind of what gives you the gives the um what's the word i'm looking for not not like credence but like the depth i guess maybe to yeah. the content that you're covering because it is both you know funny wacky silliness uh and also like that narrativization that i i think is really important because you are trying to make a point right like talking about you know how anime is is huge but there are so many ways in which the people that make anime are not fairly compensated um so you're trying to you know get those messages out and get those realities conveyed while also making it about funny commercials so i think you guys nailed it completely like almost no notes i'm good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and no, i worked uh, like i kind of mentioned in the panel itself and hell i just mentioned it what part of the inspiration for putting it together was the video game history foundation and realizing that the material itself whether it be video games or anime is important but equally important is all the ephemera that exists around it and it's easy everyone knows the the anime network commercial what is anime we've been laughing at that for a few years now but it, yeah, that deserves a place in the archives and it, mm-hmm. it deserves a place to be looked at and studied even and I, yeah I, I agree that's one of our strongest panels just because it's it 
I had this idea that you have to be both interesting and informative to do a really good fan panel. And that I think is a perfect balance for us of keeping people hooked with the interesting, funny stuff, but also teaching them a little something before they leave. Do it now, as they say. <laughs> oh, you didn't show a do it now, did you? Do it now. I don't think so. That's one of the eight that's one of the ADV ones. The yeah. one thing I one thing I realized is the the giant YouTube playlist I sent Tobias is just like we couldn't <laughs> fit all of that in an hour because I think I had like over like thirty thirty or forty videos to Tobias. I do. And I said here, I do. <laughs> here here's this cavalcade. Go 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 look at it. I do love how you put in one of the modern uh, discotheque sizzle reels because it shows like, yeah. oh yeah, this this kind of thing does still exist in a modern context to some degree so uh yeah and i love that song like that song discotheque used it's such a good song Mm -hmm. they know what they're doing and they know they're advertising to older fans Mm -hmm. their works and they did a a perfect way to do that and remind people the old anime go and cpm stuff yeah and like just like anime go and cpm did back in the day like every every like new batch of discotheque blu-rays that get released you know every couple months or so there's like a brand new sizzle reel on that disc so there's always like a new one with like new clips and you know new stuff that they've recently put out uh, in those reels so they they keep it lively And so, rounding off our weekend, the very last panel on Sunday was Sully's Magic Lantern panel on. I, I keep wanting to call it ten out of ten films, but it's not ten, right? Is <laughs> it, it? It is ten films. It is a showcase it is 10. Of, okay. of ten Japanese films that I choose every year. Um, Maybe that's what yeah. you should call it: ten Japanese films that I choose every year. <laughs> every year. I, I mean, honestly, um, yeah, this one was my was the literally the last panel for all of us, really. Um, and I was so tired by the end of it. Like, I literally wrapped it up. I I did polite small talk with the audience, and then I I went to my boyfriend's like, "We need to go now. I'm I'm, I'm about to fall. I'm about to drop." Um, but yeah, uh, I. I think this panel went better than it had before just because I, I finally, there's just more and more companies are, are licensing live action Japanese films. I was able to talk about Arrow Video and Mubi and Criterion and Third Window and I even, I even threw in a discotheque in there because I wanted to talk about Yatterman. I bought it that weekend and I said, by God, one of these movies I don't really have much to say about it right now, I'm going to cut it, replace it with this last minute. Um, but the audience seemed to really engage with it. I'm always hesitant about this panel because it's not anime. Um, it is, as the very first time I did it, someone complained it was too arty. So I've, I, I always try to make sure I like have a mix of like 
this is just fun movies and or oh these are about serious topics or oh these are like surrealist art pieces that you should watch um and i i just think this one went well like i i don't have much to say about this other than i think i finally got this down to a science and i'm i'm glad that i was able to present it again and i i have more films i want to i want to talk about uh specifically uh ones that now that disco ha discotech has their tokyo nights uh sub label there's stuff that they're putting out that i want to watch uh there is uh stuff on movie that i i want to see that i want to talk about with this pound a lot of people were taking pictures of the slides so i'm hoping that they'll find something to watch afterwards you could also call this panel 10 Japanese films I know you've missed. Well, that's the thing is kind of like how I have a rule. It's like I try not to talk about Kurosawa. I try not to talk about, I don't talk about really like Godzilla films. Like I try not to talk about the ones I feel like most people have at least heard of. Like I, my goal is mm -hmm. like go find movies that are like you would not find unless I kind of told you about them. Um, mm -hmm. But it's kind of surprising how few movies a lot of people have seen because I would compare them to like Western things and they're like, oh, I've not seen that. And I'm like, okay, well, give it a shot. Watch that one too. Um, <laughs> so, What's an I example mean, of like a Western film that you compared one of them to? Because I wasn't able to make it to this panel, so I don't really know what you've talked about. Off the top of my head, I know that I compared uh, Adrift in Tokyo to Midnight Run, which, to be fair, was a movie I had only seen a few months ago because my boyfriend showed it to me. It's like a Robert De Niro uh, bounty hunter buddy comedy thing from the 80s. Um, I know I compared Giants and Toys to Funny Face and My Fair Lady, and no one had really seen any Audrey Hepburn films. I'm like, okay, well, she she would have been great for this with this in America, and and I'm not like I don't try to judge people for that. Like one of the things I kind of get annoyed with is like I'll say, oh, I haven't seen that, and someone acts like I've like I I have committed a grave affront to culture itself because I haven't seen X, Y, or Z movie. So, like, when I do this panel, I'm like, okay, we haven't seen that. Well, we'll go, we'll, we'll go watch that, too. But anyway, back to this movie. <laughs> I, 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 I try to make this, like, as accessible as possible. Hmm. Cool. I think it was a real... I loved the mixture of it. Like, I think when people think of this panel, they think, oh, you're going to talk about Akira, Akira Kurosawa. You're going to talk about Ozu. You're going to talk about kind of the... Takeshi Miike. You're going to talk about the Golden Age uh Japanese cinema era like the 50s and 60s but no you had a great diversity of of movies like that 30 minute kaiju movie you talked about mm. I definitely oh, took I'll a picture of that I was like I, I'm I'm going to watch that one and uh the wit I'm I'm sorry I'm bad with the names but a woman witness oh woman and witness protection that's it yeah the same by the same director who did Temporo like that's one I definitely need to go check out. So, I've been watching a lot of um, Japanese Asian cinema. So there was a lot of stuff, and there's like, oh, I need to add that. I, I need to watch that. So I thought it was a good diversity of not so serious and also a wide variety of genre. So I thought it was really well done, Sully. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'd back that up. Um... When I, when I go to Austin's 10 anime or 10 movie panel, that's all stuff that I, I know of. And I go because I can sort of be reassured that they're all good movies and sort of be reminded of these good movies. Uh, you can go so you just take a nap. I, 
Well, I mean, because like I, I know you, as we talk a lot here on the podcast, I kind of am already aware of them. Mm-hmm. However, I go to Sully's movie panel to learn something new. Like, like they have an hour of new material being ported miles. Like, I never know what you're going to talk about. I'm always learning. I learned ten movies that uh, on Sunday, and even though I know that I have you know unfettered access to Sully uh, through the Discord and whatnot, I still found myself taking pictures of every single slide to make sure that I had these movies ready to watch on a watch list. I think your picks are you know impeccable. I think you do a really great um, variety. I was almost going to compare it to a charcuterie board, a tasting board, mm. as you will. Uh, you know, you have the really, <laughs> the more arty kind of things, the more uh, drama-filled thing. And then you have Yatterman in there, which is just kind of a goofy, fun, uh, <laughs> it's a little something a little different, a little treat. Uh, yeah, no, I think a little Yatterman as, as a treat. It's <laughs> a treat. A little Durancho, <laughs> your palate. No, uh, great picks. Great as always. I will be checking these out. I think this is uh, the way you put it together. Really great. I like your slide design for this one. I think uh, I've uh, kind of stolen part of my more modern slides and the way I think of information uh, almost pretty much from this. Uh, This and uh, Tori's horror panel, I think I've taken some ideas from both of you guys and how I put slides together. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's great. I think you're doing great. And I can't wait to see what you show next time. Well, thank you. I do think it was funny. It's called Magic Lantern, and you turned the lights off in the room. Where's well, the lantern? Well, my goal is I want it to feel like you're in a movie theater, and like my pre-roll for that movie or for that panel is I have like a ten-minute intermission countdown from like a, a drive-in movie theater, where it does legitimately like if I start it at the ten minute before the panel mark starts, it does legitimately count down. It will go like eight minutes to showtime, seven minutes to showtime, like mm. on oh, on cool. time. So I, cool. uh, I, like I try to give it that, like, oh, it's like you're going to a movie theater, you're seeing the, the concession stand advertisements, you're hanging out, you're, you're watching the trailers. That's the kind of the vibe I, I specifically go for with that panel. So, there was other stuff besides just our panels, and as most things at the con, from the dealer's room, the artist alley, to cosplays, and other panels being presented. And so I wanted to kind of get into that, and kind of what we explored during this weekend at Animazement. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I had a real blast just kind of being in the convention environment this year. I just got this just really good vibes from the whole thing. I, I thought uh, the, the crowds were they were lighter than they've been at like peak animazement. I think they maxed out this year around 13k, which in talking to one of the convention directors, apparently their highest ever was like 16 or 17k. So it's like a little bit lighter than that and it, it really it makes a difference i think whenever you can get around pretty efficiently and not have to worry about you know massive crowd munges and whatnot even though there was definitely some munging in like the dealer's room but um i think my non-panel convention experience is pretty great i wish i was able to go to more guest stuff i did i was able to go get a couple autographs throughout the weekend they've um 
Uh, every year they bring out the Animator Support Group, which is a organization that exists in Japan to basically, well, first and foremost, provide uh, housing for young animators uh, in Japan. And they've come to AZ like almost every year for, I don't know, what feels like the last decade or so. And it's always like a slightly different lineup of people along with the director, Jun Sugawara. He always comes and then brings sort of people from the support group along with him. And, you know, they were there this year again. They always do live drawings and sort of talk about their project during that. And I wasn't able to go to one of the live drawings this year, but I was able to go to one of their autograph sessions. And they sell like a like an illustration book every year to raise money for their project for the for the housing initiative and for the um, training workshops that they do. And I think they're working on a short anime project as well. And I went to that and there was like no line. It was just Tori and myself. And I basically got one of the one of I bought the book and one of the animators there just basically drew me like a whole bunch of fan art of things that I asked her about. And uh, she was like, if you buy a book, I'll draw any character you want. And so I was like, oh, shoot, I got to think of a character. So I just went with Akko from Little Witch Academia. And she was like, all right, if you give me a reference, I'll draw it for you. So she did. And it was very cute. And then she was like, well, I've got more page left. Would you like another character? And I was like, sure. <laughs> so I was like, all right, just draw me Sora from Kingdom Hearts. So she drew this adorable little Sora. And it was kind of her own unique take on it. And then she filled it out with, you know, writing out some things that I should do if I ever visit her hometown in Osaka. And she drew, like, some traditional Osaka food, like some takoyaki and okonomiyaki. She drew that. And she drew her dog and drew a picture of another dog with wings and a halo because that was her dog who died, which I thought was very sad. Mm. <laughs> and it was just a really wonderful experience. I wonder if they told them they couldn't draw copyrighted characters or something later because when i went on sunday i asked and they're like oh no we can't do that anymore so i was like oh well uh i'll take your i'll take your character then <laughs> i mean maybe who knows but um no, i do I, it, was, it was super great i do know that even if i didn't get what i want uh get to ask for a specific character like the fact that i was able to ask in japanese and kind of shock them a bit made me made me very happy <laughs> nice and even if she hadn't been able to draw the fan art, it's like, well, it was still a really great experience. I would have taken anything. Yeah, I, I, I have. Uh, they did their honko in my guidebook, and then uh, Yuri, she drew her character Genga-chan in uh, mm -hmm. my guidebooks. I, I do have that. Mm -hmm. I am glad for that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Which, which one did you get? Which um, illustration book did you get? I actually did not get an illustration book because by the time I went down to the dealer's room to get one, they had packed them up. And then when I went upstairs to the signing, they had them there and I said, oh, can I pay with a card? And they, they couldn't take card at that point. So I literally just have it in my guidebook. I was not able to get this year's illustration book. I think that was the difference. I think they were only doing the fan art in, in the, the book if you bought one. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that was the stipulation, I remember. The, the translator told me, they were like, oh, so since you bought a, uh, a guide, a, um, an illustration book, they will draw you fan art of your character. So I think that, that might have been the difference. 
Yeah, I would have if I had made it in time, but between going to different panels and we had to get lunch with a, a friend of my boyfriend's, I, I did not. And like I said, by the time I got down to the dealer's room, they had already packed them all up, and then they weren't taking mm-hmm. credit cards yeah. by the time I was in the signing. I will say to anybody who has missed out on animator support stuff at Animazement in the past, uh, please go, because they are so cool, and they are a great opportunity to really see you know, in action, you know, young animators at the beginning of their career. We have no idea where these animators are going to go in the future. Some of them could end up being like the next Hideaki Anno. Who knows? So, uh, you know, not only that, but it's also just a really great opportunity to support animators on the ground working, making the shows we all love. So don't miss their stuff. Their stuff is great, and more conventions should bring them out. And... They are pretty honest about what it's like in the industry. Like, I remember, not this year, but last year, when we went to their Q&A, people would ask them questions about, like, how the animation process works, or sort of business questions, and they would be honest as they could as they could be. Mm-hmm. So, they don't, they don't try and sugarcoat things of, Mm-mm. it's a magical place. No, they're very honest about stuff. Totally, totally. Speaking of anime staff that are guests at the convention, I think we also had Hiroshi Nakahama, who you got yep. to see, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I didn't get it. Unfortunately, again, I didn't get a chance to go to many of his talks, but I was able to go to his autograph line. And he, uh, Hiroshi Nakahama, folks might know him from being the director of Mushishi and uh, Detroit Metal City, you know, both kind of. Uh, more like cult hits of the 2000s but uh, probably the thing that he's directing right now is going to hopefully uh, come out this year and has a lot of hype behind it and that's the anime adaptation of Junji Ito's Uzumaki a manga we reviewed uh, probably uh, like a couple years ago for our Halloween for a Halloween special and he wasn't I don't know if he was able to talk much about Uzumaki at his panels I know he wasn't able to draw anything from Uzumaki at his autograph sessions but I did get an autograph from him and he drew um, Ginko the main character from Mushishi on my uh, DVD of that show and uh, he really took his time Uh, one of our friends uh, through the convention the great SG he was also there uh, in the line and had him had a collection of a shikishi boards that he brought from home that apparently he just has a lot of guests sign at conventions wherever he goes and he got a beautiful uh, drawing of ginkgo with like some little mushis around and nagahama really took his time to draw those things and um, it was it was really special and like just just great like i don't know like these are the experiences at least with guests that i come to these conventions for it's like i can see some of the you know the dub voice actors and and whatnot and i like doing that there i'm a big dub fan so i mean i think they're i think it's great to see them but like it's this sort of thing like interacting with the japanese guests it's like super super unique to my experience at animazement because i don't go to many conventions that get really high profile really cool japanese guests that you can sort of interact with on that intimate level and it's just ruled man it's awesome yeah, I think that was interesting, both with Nagahama and the animator support group. Those are two instances this weekend where you came up to me and was like, man, they just were able to draw this because nobody was in line. Right. It was barren. And I think that's, that's, that's indicative of, of where we're at 
but it also is kind of sad. Like, you guys who go to conventions, make sure you go to the Japanese guests or find out who these Japanese guests are. Because mm-hmm. these are the people that actually make your shows. Tobias, you say that, and now they're all going to go, and we can't get, like, the short lines anymore. I was about to say, I was about to say, yeah, I was like, part of me doesn't want to say that on the podcast, because I'm like, no, this is my cool special thing, but but no, I don't, unfortunately, I don't get to have a monopoly on such things. Kids, do not go to the Japanese guests, they are boring, <laughs> and they don't talk mm. about anime, instead they talk about uh, mm. woodworking, so uh, it's mm. absolutely not worth your time, there's absolutely nothing cool or interesting or valuable mm. to get from that and if you see Not us in all. line for any of these uh it's because uh go away it's because we're old and boring yeah we're bad people and we're bad people <laughs> we say all that but i didn't go to any guests this year either oh. so who am i to say i was uh <laughs> i was a bad person i kept meaning to go to a lot of the cultural guests i think they mm. had like a few panels on inca music which is not a thing i know anything about but i was like hey you know there's, there's something at a commission that i don't know about and would like to know about but uh, of course with with me getting older and whatnot i just i just didn't have enough time between our panels we present and trying to you know take breaks and whatnot i just found myself constantly having to make that decision between uh, my body's needs and my brain's needs to absorb more dumb trivia Unfortunately, <laughs> my body's winning those battles more and more nowadays. I did some other panels and the viewing room, which was a was a big surprise for me to see. Yeah, they brought those back. Yeah, it was a surprisingly it was a lot of live action stuff. Like on Friday they were showing a lot of Godzilla movies. On Saturday they were gonna show the gogo 13 movie the discotheca just put out which i went to go watch and was to be honest disappointed by Oof. Uh, yeah initially they were gonna show suicide club which discotheque has also put out but someone complained or there was like some people that protested about it and so they decided to change it to gogo 13 uh short review it what I thought I was going to get was an exploitation type of grindhouse movie. What I got was more of a traditional spy movie set in Iran, which I was a bit surprised of how tame it was based off the the property that is GoGo13. And uh, this, the 18 plus rating you had to go get to get in there when there wasn't a lot of violence where the blood wasn't so bad and there wasn't any nudity in the movie so i was surprised with the rating but i guess they had to cover their basis they were also showing like the 47 ronin and a couple things like city hunter and some lupin stuff a lot of discotheque yeah almost primarily discotheque and animego stuff because they showed otaku no video as well and uh maddox x1 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is another animego thing and they showed a or say Yatsura movie, I believe. They showed Beautiful Dreamer on Thursday. Nice, nice. Yeah, there was a sign uh, on the hallway where the panel and viewing rooms were. Where it was like, we want to thank Discotech and Animego for letting us screen these movies. So I'm sure that's yeah. why. Speaking of Animeko, um, I only saw like one person. I wasn't able to go, unfortunately, which is kind of a bummer. Because I really liked the last Animeko panel I got to go to back in like... 2019 or so 
I only saw one person talk about that panel, and they only said that Robert Woodhead said that they would have more announcements at Otakon, and I'm like, there's there's certainly other things that they talked about. So I wish somebody would post online about what they talked about, even if it wasn't like a ground-shaking announcement. I'm sure they talked about interesting things. So. Usually they kind of, don't don't they usually like tease their next Kickstarter they're gonna do? They so. do, but like they've kind of already announced what their next project is gonna be, and it's Macross Two Lovers Again, and that was part oh, of the whole okay. like right. Big West announcement from like what last summer, where they announced right. all of that Macross stuff coming to the U.S. And we haven't had right. too many updates on that, but it looks like you know at least at least the Macross Two thing is going to get more announcements at Otakon in, like, what, a month? Yeah, Otakon's pretty soon. Anyway, I digress. I didn't really go to any other panels, unfortunately. I wanted to go to the Great SG's awesomely bad Japanese music videos, but I missed it in favor of going to see the Rookies as Punked concert. But I didn't feel too bad because I had seen awesomely bad not too long before that at Retcon, which is a small, like, little uh, sci-fi convention that he was at um, earlier in this year, so I'd seen. How was the concert? Oh, it was it was great. Um, Rookies is punked. I know Sully knows about because they were in uh, Blue Exorcist, but I know them from doing some songs for Durarara, which is a show that I was pretty big into, you know, back uh, like a decade ago. And it does have some really great music, and they're just like a fun, like, J-rock band. And they've been to Animazement a few times before, but it was nice to see them again and actually get to go to their concert. And it was just a fun time. They played most of their anime songs. They really seem to embrace the fact that a lot of people are fans of them specifically because of their anime work. Like they had a um, they had a projector screen on the stage that put up their album art for each of their songs. And a lot of the album art was like the single from the anime that they had done. Like the Blue Exorcist stuff, the Durarara stuff the like Yamamushi pedal stuff like all of that they they were just like firmly embracing and they spoke some English and were able to interact with the crowd and they said that I think this was their first time being back in the U.S. since the pandemic I want to say they said that that's probably true yeah yeah so and yeah they they said they really like coming to Animazement because they feel like their crowds are really cool and supportive and what was shocking to me and I, I didn't i didn't get a chance to do this but tori did is that they were selling concert t-shirts at their booth for like 35 dollars, which is about typical for a band t-shirt at a at an event but with the purchase of a t-shirt you got a free picture with the band on sunday morning and wow. yeah so like a meet and greet like picture with the band for for just that amount of money and you get a free t-shirt like that's in, that's incredible well, i had to ask did, now who in the band actually drew the picture and did you use it in your sketchbook or hey. on the DVDs? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they drew it directly on your face yeah. i'm just imagining austin has like the book and it's like oh the, these lovely pieces from the animator support group and then a couple of stick figures from the band <laughs> right they're 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 artists but not that kind but yeah no they, they were really fun I'm, I'm glad i finally got to go to a uh convention concert because i feel like i haven't been to one in such a long time like they didn't even i don't even think they had a musical act last year 
not like a band or anything, or maybe they did, but um, you know, it had just been so long. Well, well, you didn't go to it. Bill and I did go to Kurt's awesome bad music videos on Friday night. His general audience one. And I think, Bill, well, that was your first time sitting through, like, the whole thing, right? Surprisingly, I hadn't gone to it in full before. Like, maybe I'd walked in right. for, like, a snippet and then walked out to go do something else. But this is the first time that I stayed through majority of it. And it was just a fun atmosphere. Like, people were really into the music and just enjoying the goofiness of the music videos. <laughs> so... I appreciate that he's sort of developed a, a following around it. Like there are people there that will cosplay stuff from you know, the stuff that he shows. And there's usually some fun gags. I think it's like a little cupid doll that some group brings and passes around and whatnot. So it's, it's kind of fun to see an almost anime hell-esque cult following around his particular panel. It sort of adds to the atmosphere and everyone there's having a fun time. It's, it's very, it, they are in fact awesomely bad music videos and it's something everyone can enjoy including your brother and uh, third impact patron and fan gremlin, Abby. I think there's video of them dancing and grooving uh, that are now on social oh, media. Yeah. <laughs> Hank was rocking out to, to the awesomely bad Japanese panels, and I'm glad he was having a ball. And I think that you should... That's the point of that panel is you're just going to go there, have fun with the music videos, just cheer, rock out, get the glow sticks. It's a good time. Well, besides that, I don't even know if I went to any other fan panels, unfortunately. Just like I said, with so many other things happening at the same time and trying to hit the dealer's room and Artist Alley and everything else, I just don't think I really made time to see. I, I think I put, like poked my head in, in a few of Kurt's other panels and... There was like a science and anime panel that I wanted to go to, but it literally Which, was standing room only. Not a single empty seat. I went to the science and anime panel. How was that, though? I thought it was really well done because the, the core premise was I'm going to break down the, the acronym of STEM, or STEAM as it's called, and give examples of how each uh, part of this acronym are represented in anime. So we would talk about something like cells at work, for example, or he would talk about uh, with technology like Ghost in the Shelf. And I thought it was uh, pretty well done. My only real complaint, and this isn't his fault, but because it was standing room only, there was a lot of gaps in seats. And people would just stand in the back. And I don't know how to resolve this, but there there was one example where it was a uh, a couple with a baby where they were just standing in the back and I was, I was like, they need to sit down. And I was like trying to look for a seat for them and I saw like one seat or like two seats and I'm like, oh, you can sit over there. And they said they were fine. But one complaint I, I had, at least with that one and a few other panels is I wish people would like keep moving to the right, keep moving to the right. So that way mm-hmm. there would be yeah. more open seating or people would point up their finger and go, oh, there's a seat over here, because most people wouldn't do that, and then it would just lead to a cluster of people, usually in the back of the room, just standing there, <laughs> when there yeah, was that's... plenty of like sporadic seats. Yeah, that's one thing I feel like they could probably do a little bit better of a job managing, because I know that 
at least the last time we went to AWA, like they were pretty diligent about making sure that if there were no seats available, people couldn't just walk into the room. And like, so that way they would avoid the awkward, you know, standing room in the back, which, you know, if it's a really in-demand panel, well, that's going to get unwieldy very, very fast. And then it becomes like a fire hazard or whatever. So I, I think it would probably be a good idea if they had more people paying attention to that, like some volunteers or staff members or something. And then also like getting those people to like, you know, fill in the gaps. I mean, I, I had to take control a little bit during one of my panels to be like, hey, there's people standing in the background. Can you guys like scoot over a little bit if you see empty space next to you? But like, I don't necessarily know if that should be the panelists responsibility to take care of. I mean, I didn't mind saying it. I thought it needed to be said, but, you know, it's just something to look out for. Yeah, it was something that I just kept noticing because the the guy who did the science and anime panel also did the Raiders and Lost Anime panel, which I also went to, which I thought was pretty well done where he was talking about shows that are out of print or dubs that are lost. And uh, he gave some good examples like the Uramatsu episode one, how they just went balls to the wall, breaking copyright, and that's not available anywhere. Oh, or yeah. certain dubs that are not available, but I thought um, the guy who did those two panels were were uh, pretty good, and I would have liked to have seen his other panels, like he was doing a panel on CG and anime, but mm. we were doing stuff at the time that I missed that I that I couldn't get to. But I do you know his name? Was pretty well done. Unfortunately, I don't off the top of my head. Okay. No, I've seen him a lot. He's he's been around. I've seen him before, and I, I keep thinking like, man, I need to like get him on the Discord or something. He needs to <laughs> talk and hang out more. Like I've seen these guys' panels, and he's you know they're, they're great panels. They're he knows what he's talking about. I just I, for whatever reason, I don't can't remember if he doesn't have social media or something. He just has never been able to like pin down who this guy is. Mm -hmm. Well, our Discord's open if he's listening. Yeah. <laughs> folks right in yep folks right in let's find this guy <laughs> unsolved mysteries <laughs> well uh let's see what did what did y'all guys get at the divas room i i pretty much only shopped at the discotheque booth so like i've got my stuff right here what'd you what'd you get what are the goods <laughs> what did they what did i get okay well so i got the discotheque booth i picked up the first volume of Udisa Yatsura tv i finally picked that up I grabbed um, the first. The, well, I grabbed like, the only volume of uh, the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, the one of the old, goofy Sonic adaptations that Discotech put out as part of their new initiative to do their formula for classic cartoons. And they were also selling a copy of Amazing Nuts, a anthology work that I first learned about from Bill's panel. So it was kind of fun to see that for only fifteen bucks. I picked that up just for the hell, just for the sake of having it. I didn't pick up too much. I probably could have stood to pick up some more from Discotech, but I got, um, let's see, I got Crusher Joe the movie, which is something I know Bill also picked up this weekend. And I got a Lupin special. And then um, Otaku Joe, who our listeners might be familiar with, is a vendor who primarily specializes in like vintage stuff. He comes to a lot of conventions uh, across, the, across the state. And like, he wasn't there physically this time but he has like an ancillary like satellite otaku joe branch i guess for <laughs> lack of a better term and i remember him posting on social media like probably about six months ago where he said 
hey guys, I am going to stop selling Blu-rays and DVDs because they are no longer lucrative to me and I would rather liquidate this and stop selling it and pivot to selling other things. And I'm like, oh shoot, well that's that's a, that's a little sad, but it is, I guess, indicative of you know, the way that people consume anime in, you know, 2023 and beyond. That being said, his shop at the con this time was, uh, had a whole few bins that were like, okay, everything in this bin is $20. So I picked out, um, a show I actually haven't seen yet, but I have it on good authority that I would enjoy, um, Yuri Yuri, like the comedy show. Mm, uh, which is yeah. an NIS America release, which, you know, they've stopped printing anime on, on home video at this point. So I picked up both season one and two of that for 20 bucks each. And I know that those are out of print and probably way more expensive than that. So I'm, I'm happy to grab those. Other stuff I got in the dealer's room. I got a can of Boss Coffee. It was pretty tasty. I already drank it. Not going to keep it. And I got, gosh, what else? Really not much. I mean, I got some more things in the artist alley i got some prints i got some i got three three little uh portrait prints of uh bochi from bochi the rock um on takamaki from persona 5 and uh, zelda from breath of the wild and then a bunch of stickers so i also spent most of my uh, money at the discotheque booth I also got The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog Blu-ray because I too grew up watching it and I actually put it on like a few days ago and god it's so bonkers like <laughs> I know people hate it because they're like it's not a serious it's like I don't want a serious adaptation I just want to see him run fast and <laughs> silly animation and just dumb stuff happen it is extremely slapstick it, extremely slapstick <laughs> it is in fact camp I declare it camp um <laughs> I, I also bought the Urusei Yatsura original TV series volume 1 I bought The Mystery of Mamo. I got the nice. Wizard of Oz anime that came out in the 80s that adapts nice. four of the first six books. I do not like that, spoiler, they got rid of uh, the fact that Princess Languidere uh, cuts off people's heads and switches heads around instead of clothing. They replace it with hats because apparently that's too <laughs> shocking for small Japanese children in the 80s. Now, did you buy, because they released two of them, did you buy the English one or the Japanese one? I bought the Japanese one. Okay, okay. And then um, I got the Yatterman live-action movie DVD, because that has been out of print and kind of hard to find, um, and it was there for 20 bucks, and I I saw it, and I immediately snatched it up, and uh, yeah, that was when I was like, okay, discotecas, they've, they've gotten enough of my money. This is, this is fine. <laughs> and then my boyfriend bought Paranoia Agent from a different booth. And I bought two figures. I bought the Q Posket uh, King Endymion figure because I've, I I didn't like them at first, but they've weirdly kind of grown on me. The, the Q Posket, or Q Posket, I don't know how you exactly pronounce it. Those figures with the big heads and the, the big eyes, and they're very overly cutesy. Um, and I got this beautiful Lum figure, the Relax Time Lum figure from the new anime where she's uh, sitting on a school desk and she's huge and I love it and she's now in my display case. I... I I saw her and I immediately picked her up and there was other stuff I saw that I think I, I was like, look, I've already spent around $300 and that's not counting like food and, and other things. So let's, let's stop, let's stop and wait. And then I went home and immediately bought two volumes of Spy Family and an egg robo figure. So I didn't take my own advice. Well, speaking of eggs in this trying time, I know you didn't get it from the dealer's room, but Ryan gave you something pretty cool. Oh, yes. So uh, Ryan has been experimenting with 3D printing, and he 3D printed a Koholand Island, 
and showed it to everyone in the Discord, and I immediately said, how much? Um, and he, <laughs> he printed me one, and it's really cute. Like, it, uh, I, I, I find it fascinating we live in an age where we can basically make our own toys. Like, he found the file, um, he printed it in the color plastic. I don't think I'm going to, to paint it or anything. I think I kind of like it as it is. And yeah, it's this cute little Koholand Island that's now standing on the top of my figure display case, and I want to... My goal is that I want to start building, like, not full-on dioramas, but sort of themed displays for my different figures and fandoms, and put them in my Detolf display case that I got for my new apartment. And I want to do, like, a Zelda shelf, and they have... I have Koholand Island now, and there's someone who does the, uh... Hyrule Castle from Ocarina of Time. I think they actually use, like, the the actual model from the N64 that they just turned into a 3D print file. Oh, that's cool. Someone makes the clock tower from Majora's Mask, and it's an actual clock. Like, it's a work... He built a working clock into it. Um, it's like $100, cool. though, so I, I think that's going to be, like, a in-the-future thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that we've entered this age of we can have... we can Again, we can 3D print our own toys, and I've decided that how I'm going to do that is... Uh, friends who have 3D printers or people who do that, I will use them to supplement my figure collecting hobby because I've, I've gotten back into that. Like, I've actually saw a lot of figures at Animazement that I, I didn't buy them there, but I either took a card or kind of made a note where I'm like, this this might be a, a in-the-future thing for myself. It's weird to be at a point in my life where I have, like, a steady job and, and an income and house and partner, and I can just spend money on things i enjoy and it's weird that i can be like oh yeah i can just i can just buy this figure it, it, it's fine I, I it made me happy does it spark joy Sally? <laughs> yes it does although uh i'm still working on the display so currently coholand island is standing under the arkham asylum gate <laughs> <laughs> it's oddly appropriate bizarre cro crossover well speaking of uh, art things i also did take a trip to the artist alley and i told myself you know i wanted something some ff14 merchandise some something something there <laughs> and uh unfortunately there was not a whole lot of there was like no ff14 stuff it was all genshin impact and spy family but i found the one booth selling these little keychains little acrylic keychains and they had like all the characters so i dropped um i'm not gonna say how much money on these little keychains and they're probably going to live in a shrine my evolving ff14 shrine because god forbid i'm not going to take them outside or they <laughs> would get dirty i wouldn't do yesterday like that i'll find a place for them eventually with all my other merch yeah man build that shrine for all you artists out there if you if you make ff14 stuff i will buy it so there you go you're leaving money on the table i need to send you a picture of what i got for my brother for uh christmas it's like a little um 3d printed uh, otter from 14 oh that's you know, like right the little cute little yeah, otters I yeah i might have i might have shown you that already but it was pretty darn cute all right well um let's see who else um bill you didn't say what you bought did you no uh, so like everyone else here i also got a lot of stuff from the discotheque booth so I got the Crusher Joe movie and OVA. Uh, my brother got me two Detective Conan movies, which I was very happy about. And I got Aim for the Ace, the TV series, mm. which I'm about halfway through as of this recording and enjoying quite a lot. And also I got my brother one of the kaiju movies that Discotech has, has put out. Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds. 
which is like, what if we combine a kaiju movie with Jaws and mash those two things together? You mean so, Jaws isn't a kaiju movie? Well, just the the <laughs> kind of the Western framing of of Jaws, like they're primarily on a beach and people aren't believing what's happening. It's like during a busy weekend. It's a kaiju series. <laughs> good one it just it just made me think like what if we took godzilla's theme and jaws theme and just like swapped them like jaws is coming up and it's like that'd be really funny it would it would be a lot less like tense but it would be very funny they might do a crossover with merchandise at some point knowing how godzilla works the shin kaiju hero I have to mention my brother also got a bunch of stuff. Uh, he got the last two Project Echo releases, three and four, and he got some stuff from the Limited Run booth, which they were there as well. He got the Shantae and the Pirates Cursed vinyl, which was really cool, and he got the Knights of the Old Republic games on Switch, to my groan grumbling, and. Uh, Oh, we got Horse Prince of the Sun on Blu-ray, which is now out of print. Mm. So, yeah, they, the, an interesting thing at the discotheque booth, they had some stuff that was really out of print. Like, they had the uh, Puss in Boots DVD release there, and they had a few other things. Like, they were priced as I expected them to be priced, but I could have gone more crazy at the booth, but I tried to be restrained and... Did you go to the Artist Alley at all? No, I did not. Um, But our patron, Abby, did give me a Bochi the Rock print. Nice. I'm forgetting Mm -hmm. the character's name. The one that loves alcohol. Um, What's her name? Is it like Kukuri or something? Something like that. Where she's also into... She also plays guitar, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's drunk most of the time. I think the biggest thing for the panel for the dealer's room that made me a bit sad was there wasn't a lot of Lupin stuff. Mm. Surprisingly, like in terms of figures, um, and there wasn't. I was. This is not a surprise every year, but of course, Love Live dominated and destroyed my favorite franchise, Idol Master, which is not a shocker. Um, most of the figures I saw there were mostly Chainsaw Man and Jujutsu Kaisen and Jojo and her usual stuff. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but just walking through the artist alley and judging my own reactions based on, you know, this convention versus other conventions that I've been to, I felt like this was one of the best artist alleys I've ever seen in my life. Like, I found myself so many times getting distracted by being like, ooh, that looks so good, I would totally buy that, and feeling that at almost every booth. I've never really had that experience at an artist alley before, but I was just blown away with the quality of everything. What was the trends going on in the artist alley? Because that's usually a good indicator of what's popular at the moment. Um, I mean, you know, Genshin Impact certainly a thing. Um, there Ch- was a- Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw was Man. Big. Bochi the Rock. There was plenty of that stuff. Yeah. JoJo's um, Persona, help me guys, uh, Zelda. Yeah, I mean it's all the stuff you would you would kind of imagine, really. Yeah. But I, I think I have to agree that there were a lot of prints that. Demon I mean, I, I have prints, of course. I don't 
I wouldn't say that I go ahead and collect a whole lot of prints just because I've limited wall space and never kind of been my thing. But there were several times where I was like, oh man, I like the style. I like what they've done here. You know, I wish I could, you know, spend all the money to get the whole series and, yeah. and put it up. But Yeah, that was our thing is we, my boyfriend was specifically looking for magnets. He's like, we have, we have too many prints. We have too many X, Y, and Z. We need magnets. We need magnets. And we found very <laughs> few people selling magnets and he became very frustrated I think yeah, that's that's really not something I see artists sell all that often is magnets. That is a good point. Uh, he bought a handmade uh, zipper bag. It almost looks like a shaving kit bag that has Mario fabric that he put uh, our like switch dock and stuff for traveling in. I think he was the only one of us that bought. I did not buy anything in the artist alley because I. I saw things I liked, but I, I often, again, it's like, I don't have the wall space for that. Like, there was this one person who did, like, yeah. these lovely, like, I don't know, I don't think they were watercolors, but they were recreations of, like, the Mario 3 maps, or the, the... Oh, yeah. The Mario World map, or the Zelda map and stuff, and I, I thought about getting one, but I'm like, well, I like them, but I don't, I, we literally don't have anywhere to put them. We have a pile of, of art that we're trying to sort through, so I'm like, I... I will just have to to wait and and see and I'm trying to be a little pickier about what I put on my walls. Not to say that this stuff is like low quality or that I don't like it, but more that's like I I have like Tobias said limited wall space. I can only do so much. I can't turn my house into a museum of local nerd artists. <laughs> Man, if only. <laughs> yeah, and I've I've had years and years of prints that I've collected over time. I really another thing I would ask the artist, you know. Please do other things besides prints. Uh, <laughs> the acrylic keychains were very easy for me to, to grab a whole bunch of. Uh, I mean, you just talked about magnets. I think magnets would be really cool. Hell, I might actually hot glue some magnets onto these keychains. I think that'd be a really <laughs> a cool use for them. Hey. And I was looking for things that weren't just prints, so just little keys and whatnot. Uh, you know, that's always a good idea, an alternative. And I think that's something that I'm looking, I look forward to, to see what other things people are doing besides the, the, sh the wall of prints you see every other booth has a whole wall behind them of their prints and you know sometimes that kind of runs together when you had a whole aisle of people that have this kind of the same sort of style character prints how are you going to differentiate yourself from your booth neighbors you know mm -hmm. far be it for me to judge anybody what they do I'm just like a guy talking on a podcast but maybe something to consider but diversify a bit well you folks listening at home our podcast will take up none of your wall space <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could print out the waveforms. True. Well, anything else we want to bring up here? I think we kind of covered most of it, right? Yeah. This is a great con. I do you want to briefly talk about the cosplay stuff? Mm-hmm. And just very briefly. I thought, while Chainsaw Man was the dominant winner of the cosplay circuit, and I saw like a, a lot of uh, Chainsaw Man himself and... Uh, Power? Power's... Power, mostly Power is who I saw a lot mm. of. But I thought it was a good diversity of stuff. Like, for One Piece, for example, I didn't just see Luffy everywhere. It was a, I saw a Frankie, I saw a Uta from One Piece Red, and I saw just an interesting diversity in terms of mixture of cosplays. Like, yeah, Chainsaw Man was the dominant one, but I didn't just see the normal stuff I kind of see every year is a good mixture of stuff i was in, in an elevator with a really good crocodile and i'm not even a one piece fan 
Oh, I wish you could have gotten a picture of that. That would have been cool. Yeah, if I was able to track her down, I would have. But, uh, you know, elevators and all that. <laughs> what can you do, man? Elevators. My, my, fav my favorite cosplay of the whole weekend was... Um, so, our buddies at Lost Ark... Uh, the owner of Lost Ark, uh, Daniel, is not known for being a cosplayer. He doesn't really dress up. And these are his words, not mine. But he had the greatest cosplay I've ever seen. And he cosplayed as Gendo from Evangelion. And it turned out so good. It just delighted my heart. And he was sitting over there the whole weekend as Gendo. It looked so great. It was very funny. Oh, forgot to, my favorite cosplay was someone dressed up as Beaker from the Muppets. Nice. Where they had a full, like, Beaker helmet with the eyes that uh, could glow. It was great seeing Beaker in the back during the science panel. I was nice. like, that fits perfectly. Oh, that is perfect. Wow. But yeah, I saw a fair amount of uh, Final Fantasy stuff and, like, JoJo's cosplay saw some uh some silent hill cosplay was which Fair was great JoJo's for sure yep more jolene's this time more like jo like characters from stone ocean i saw mm, but you know yeah. a fair amount of of um you know uh, stuff jo jo so the older yeah yeah like there were definitely jotaros around because that's probably the most well-known jojo look but the more more stone ocean stuff which was great to see a lot of a lot of your forgers yep uh, lots of spy uh, family of course lots of spy family a lot of genshin impact Yep. I, I feel like if I don't know a character and they just look kind of in a, that sort of generic anime style, fantasy style, surely they're Genshin. So. <laughs> surely. Yeah, it used to be I would say that if like, oh, if I don't know what something is, it's probably from Fate. But now it's like, oh, it's probably yeah. from Fate or Genshin Impact. Pleasantly surprised at the amount of Bochis I yeah. saw. Not a lot of other characters other than Bochi. It was just, it was very, I guess it's easy to do a Bochi. You do a pink tracksuit, a pink wig, and you have a guitar. Done. There were, uh, <laughs> I feel like there were just as many dude folk as lady folk dressed as Bochi. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, something that really stood out to me that I thought was hilarious. I was like, we really are living in the early 2000s again whenever I see so many cosplays of Trigun, Resident oh, Evil yeah. 4 and scream <laughs> what was with the scream masks they were everywhere i just like, think the, mo the movie face. came out and it people i guess like that movie scream six was pretty all right i i, I i'm surprised just because it's like the sixth movie in a franchise and usually uh, after a certain number you get kind of diminishing returns so true that was a big like huh that's out left field like like you said it was very interesting to see trigon come back with a with a a fury. I would not have expected Vash to be another hit cosplay. But man, I'm getting old. And, wolf, and Wolfwood. And yeah. Wolfwoods. Yes. Yeah. I saw I a saw few Wolfwoods. Wolf yeah, I, I, I expected to see more Wolfwoods based on what I've seen other people say online, but there were a lot of Vashes this time. True. A lot of Vash art, too, the in the Artist Alley. Mm, yeah. The, that's... the power of a new anime. Mm hmm. <laughs> I was I ran around and collected all the the FF14 cosplays. There weren't nearly enough as I was hoping, but I did since the last one I went to, uh, Queen City, mm -hmm. I didn't see any. Mm -hmm. The fact I got any at all, I was very very happy with. Giddy every time I saw another 14 cosplayer. <laughs> was there a common 14 character? No, I mean every there was a, it was a pretty diverse. Um, I think I saw more than one Emmett Sulk, so that puts it in the running. 
But like there was an Irianje, there was I ran onto a Vinat, like the very first thing. She gave me a cute little sticker that made me made me tear up because like I just got to that point in the game. You know, like, ah, oh, uh, oh, mommy, you're great. Uh, but no, there were like a lot of different characters throughout the entire series, which I really loved. There was a guy that kind of did a, a closet-esque post-Moogle, like a little Moogle in a, oh, like yeah. a, a, a um, postal guy. And he gave me a little letter with a little seal on it. And I opened it up when I got home, and it was a Final Fantasy version of your Chocobo's extended warranty has expired. <laughs> Would you like to renew? Yeah, like, yeah, like it was all... It was all like canonical, like info. Like you know, it, it made sense, but it was so hilarious that he was just handing out these extended warranty. You, That's so I funny. Hope you keep that. You need to keep that and put that in your Final Fantasy fourteen shrine. Oh yeah, to make that. Oh yeah, it's it's getting saved for sure. Can you please the, uh, the entire uh, weekend? Can you take a photo of that so I can put it in the show notes? Yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you. I think I put it in the the awesome Discord. Okay. I, at the same time, Basil and Anna were at Momocon, and he was sending me pictures of all the cosplay there. And you know, I of course I expected being a gaming convention in Atlanta, there was going to get a lot more, but I was able to sort of have another fanboy moment you know, across state lines. The other people. But that's not animation, so I won't go into it too much. I saw a single lum in the in the artist alley, a cosplayer, oh, okay. just just a Sing- lum. Single lums in your area. <laughs> <laughs> I saw um, I saw I saw three th- uh, three maybe four lupons. Uh, mostly red jacket, but like one green jacket. Mm-hmm. There was a really good couple where one was. Dressed, as, I don't know if they're a couple of friends, but there's one dressed up as Lupin, and then one in this Fuchiko, mm-hmm. and that was, yeah, was cool good. to see. I so. saw one guy at the Rookies is Punked concert as a really good Jigen, and unfortunately, it was too dark to get a picture. That's that's cool that he, that someone did a Jigen. Yeah, so. even had like a like a like a fake facial hair where it kind of came out pretty long and like kind of you know curled upward like his his beard does. That was pretty impressive. And then one, nice. spe- one specific Lupin that I saw that, that actually came to your Surrealism panel was uh, specifically Lupin from Lupin the First. So he had a cane and a top hat. Oh, that's cool. Oh, there was also someone from, uh, I think two people were dressed up as characters from uh, Villainess All Routes Lead to Doom. Nice. <laughs> Which I was like, wow, I did not expect that. <laughs> so, so that was cool. Well, that's all I really have to say. We're kind of running pretty long here. Yeah, I think we've covered all the bases. So yeah, I st- why don't we wrap wrap this up? And uh, if we need to do any do any plugs or anything, and then we'll close it out. I think one last thing I would like to do that's something I've refrained or not refrained, but forgotten to do for an extended period of time is I just want to thank our patrons really quick because we got a couple new patrons recently and I want to shout them out because I feel like I haven't done that yet but because it's been so long I'm just going to shout out everybody because we really appreciate uh, all of our wonderful patrons who have uh, you know kindly given us their spare change over the last few years so I want to thank Trevor M, Drew H Nubbles Basil David, Dylan and Abby for being patrons of Third Impact Anime thank you so very much Thank you. And besides the warm, fuzzy feelings of supporting a 
independent group of commentators. What benefits do these patrons get, Austin? Well, uh, our, we've got three tiers. They're pretty simple at the moment. So our first tier is just like a basic support tier. That's like $1. It's basically like our tip jar. We don't really give you anything for that other than our undying uh, love and devotion. Our second tier is uh, called Producer San. That's a, uh, an Idol Master reference for the bills at home. And uh, for $3 a month, uh, you get access to the Producer San text channel in our Discord server where we post uh, early announcements for upcoming episodes and the ability sub to submit episode questions first whenever we solicit questions or comments for episodes. You get an exclusive producer on Discord role that is gold, and you get access to exclusive outtakes, but they are not guaranteed to actually be funny. That is probably the biggest perk of the producer on is getting those stupid outtakes that may or may not make it into the final episode. And then we have a third tier, which is $5 a month, and that is uh, the Nerve Commander tier. So for $5 a month, you get the ability to submit episode requests, and you will be credited as an executive producer if and when the episode is made. We do reserve the right to not review what you suggest, but we are very willing to work with you to find something that will be... Uh, mutually fun for all of us involved and of course as a nerf commander you get all the previous uh bonuses as well so that's basically what we've got over at the patreon you know if it, i'm i'm no patreon expert so you know it's kind of an ongoing project for me but that's what we have at the moment and if that changes in the future then just keep an eye on the space yeah i think we're going to cover a few of those um suggested reviews pretty shortly in the next yeah. few months and we'll see a lot of those finally work through the backlog yeah, two of our patrons have submitted their titles that they want us to review, so look out for that in the future. And of course, our Patreon is patreon.com slash thirdimpactanime. So, before I tap out, let's, let's go around the circle and everyone can plug whatever they want to plug. Let's start with the very tippy tap. Let's go with you, Austin. Uh, you can still find me sometimes over on Twitter at bebopshock. I'm also over on Mastodon, at BebopShock as well. But the best way to talk to me is in our Discord server, of course. Um, I've been more active on the Third Impact Anime Instagram page more often. Not my personal one, but like the, the brand one. I posted a ton of convention pictures over there sort of during and after the weekend. So check out our, uh, our cosplay photo gallery over there. Yep, that's pretty much the best way to connect with us is uh, Instagram and Twitter as the brand. But for me, most of the Discord, sometimes on Twitter, sometimes on Mastodon. So that's it for me. How about you, Sully? You either listen to me on the podcast, you find me on the group Discord, or you don't bother. I've, I've discovered that the less available <laughs> I make myself to people, the better. So it's like, you hear me here. You uh, find me on the, the fan Discord where I'm pretty active, or you, you know, send the carrier and Enroll in one of your classes. Oh, no, God, no, 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 please, don't. <laughs> <laughs> and Tobias. Uh, likewise, I'm not really online much anymore, at least broadly speaking. I did put my Mastodon in our various panel notes, and shout out to the one guy that followed me on Mastodon. <laughs> <laughs> like on Friday, I'm sorry. I'm I don't I'm not really using it. Like it's there. I I maybe one day, but I'm just kind of Twitter burnt me out on social media, timeline social media. So I don't really do it. 
much anymore. Maybe when the next thing comes out and we've discovered a new paradigm, maybe I'll get addicted to that for a few years and hate myself. But until that time happens, you will also just have to check us out on Discord once again for the fourth time. That's where we hang out. That's where we talk about stuff. We do try to talk about whatever we're watching recently. We, it's Bill and I particularly do seasonally releases. We try to review that, and we've got a few people that also participate. So it's been great to see that and see a lot of our, I, I really didn't say fans necessarily, but the people that hang out there, we kind of buddies. have conversations about this. Yeah, our buddies, our, our internet pals, our community. There you go, Bo. Yeah. That's a good buzzword. Um, but yeah, I feel like we all do really good at communicating and talking and hanging out. And you could be a part of that family too if you would just join our Discord already. Yeah, we, we keep it... It stays it stays shockingly active in that Discord. So either you'll love that or you'll mute it instantly. <laughs> you should hang out. You should love it. It's pretty good what we have here, especially in the absence of other good social media. Uh, other than that, let's just I just want to plug our, our older episode. We did a lot of that this time, and I think... Yeah, that those archives always exist if there's something you maybe hear someone talk about or whether it's us or somebody else just give it a give it an old search on our website thirdimbackedanime.com and see if we've done an episode on it we most likely have and i think a lot of that content still holds up pretty well so uh, yeah go go take a listen to some of our older episodes and look forward to new ones as well and as for me, you can also find me in our Discord where I'm usually Mr. Newsman posting nerdy news revolving anime, video games, and whatnot. I'm still on Twitter for some reason, even though I probably should leave it. Um, but I guess I'll plug... You can follow me on Letterboxd or Goodreads where I'm usually <laughs> posting little blurb reviews about movies or my comics manga backlog on Goodreads. Right now, I am almost at 200 trades Woo. on Goodreads. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you can find, find me there at the same handle of WB Foreman, F-O-R-E-M-A-N, with three nines. That's usually my handle for all my social media, on Twitter, on Letterboxd, on Goodreads. I am 53 films shy of watching 1,800 films, so if you want to see my journey... To 1800. Follow me on Letterboxd too. <laughs> Woo! Woo cataloging. So fun. <laughs> so, with that, I hope you listener have enjoyed this probably long, easy conversation pod, and we hope to see you in the next one. <laughs> Jimmy Johns! <laughs> Perfect.